Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shark flew up. It was clearly it. How can you possibly call that out? How many are you going to miss? He's walking over. Everyone knows it's in this whole stadium. Hey, everybody. It is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from down here in the legendary North Star Recording Studio, where it is a steady 62 degrees Fahrenheit. So first, thank you for being a part of the show. And uh, hello to Mictbis and the Mallard Report, Jim Mallard, in the chat. Thank you for joining the show this evening. Um, I took a hit off the audio here, and things seem to be going uh, well with that. So if you can give me a little thumbs up or thumbs down on how the audio is doing. Um, had something kind of quirky happen this morning. So got up and was uh, getting ready to do some some work and the letter n broke off my keyboard <laughs> gone so um there's no way to reattach it so it's just a little nub there right now i did get a new keyboard so after tonight's show um i will put in the new keyboard which is identical to this one and then i also replaced the mouse because it had been starting to act up so yeah some maintenance down here in the studio. So but want to thank everybody for coming in. And it is Red Crusader from Ohio. Red, who did uh, win a seat for the Senate in Ohio, uh, possibly contest it, although I think he's going to come out on top in that. So I was reading um, the Los Angeles Times today. I'm going to share this image out. So you might have seen the COVID map. Um, well, first of all, before I do that, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, overview of what what we're going to cover today. So put together an outline. I'm going to be working off of some notes today. We're going to be talking about the First Amendment and how it interfaces with social media and platforms. Uh, recently, um, Mike Glover of uh, Fieldcraft um, was deplatformed. So Mike posted Instagram, <laughs> you know, discuss uh, Twitter. Uh, pretty much everything was was taken down, including his website his website, which still wasn't up as of yesterday. And uh, Mike is retired uh, military, also does consulting or did consulting for the CIA, taught classes in survival, have various survival-related products that he sold. Uh, someone very intellectual, someone that I never perceived as being like insightful or hateful, or you'll, you won't pull up an email or some uh, artifact that he's created which you can frame and say, well, here's why he got booted off of, of these platforms. So that was a wake-up call. Like, if it can happen to Mike, who's next? Anybody who starts to dabble in this talk of being a sur survivalist, prepper, how to survive during times of unrest, you're kind of opening yourself up now, whether it be the algorithms or just people who see that and file claims with the various platforms of saying, I don't agree with this, or I believe this is insightful, or this creates quote-unquote, like a hostile work environment, and boom, you're gone. Um, so we're going to talk about kind of where this intersection of First Amendment 
and these private platforms intersect in some changes that are happening, some legal cases. There's one in Pennsylvania. No, it's not Pennsylvania. Jim was like, yes, it's Ohio. Red, yes. No, it's actually out of New Jersey. But a legal case, which could open the door uh, to giving more First Amendment uh, protection back to citizens who are using private platforms. But then what could be the consequences from these private platforms, YouTube, Twitter, and so forth? What cards do I anticipate they're going to play? So we're going to get into that. Some pretty fascinating stuff because, right, people will become very upset. They try to log in and they've been blocked or their accounts are shut down. Or in the case of Mike, like his website's down. And that's his income. I mean, it's a, that's a big chunk of income he has people that he employs. So we're going to get into that. Uh, the, so the headings here, what is the First Amendment? What is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act? So that goes back to the 1996. We're going to kind of back this up and figure out how we got to where we are right now. What's the relationship between Section 230 and the First Amendment? So again, when it was put into play, it was before social media. Um, is anything being done to expand First Amendment protection to social media sites? The answer is yes, and it's actually surprising to go back to the Democratic Party in January of 2020 and look at some of the statements coming out of the Democratic Party. We're going to analyze those. So um, the American Bar Association is arguing it's time to expand the First Amendment. I'll tell you where they're at, uh, their positions. Again, that New Jersey court case. And then, you know, what we should expect if push comes to shove with big tech, um, how big tech is going to push back and then, you know, just kind of kind of the, the future of um, social media, of big tech. Um, I think there's going to be some changes, so we'll be on guard with that tonight. Um, but I wanted to go over, this was published in the LA Times. Let's do a, a look over here. Um, so, yeah, good evening, Juan. Juan from San Francisco, the Aztec Patriarch Juan. Juan, thank you so much for being here um, in tonight's show. And um, I'm hoping I'm in good. I feel like I should have a vest on. Like, I, I don't want to wear a sport, co sport coat because um, I'm a little warm tonight. So um, so it just goes with with kind of the, the red dress shirt. But I feel like I should have a vest. I don't even own a vest. But I need to get like one or two, like a just a black, uh, like a suit vest. I think it'd be a cool look. I think it could be kind of a new thing going on for me here. So, um, and I don't think that would be too hard to, to find. So good evening, uh, Sast. And uh, Thursdays, uh, Sast wrote, Thursdays are hot, let them burn. Uh, Timecast, or Timcast, uh, Alex Jones, Pop Lake, and Safety Deck. Wow. Yeah, that is a lineup. Um, so I've been catching uh, Pop lately. Just a state over there in Michigan. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Wow. That's, that is, that is a, <laughs> that's a great framing right there. So. It's cool. Um, so Mallard, uh, Jim Mallard here. I'm probably next. FYI. Oh my goodness. Come on, Jim. We can't, uh, we can't lose the Mallard report. Uh, red, uh, that'd be great. Um, Mallard report. Oh, okay. Here we go. So, um, president elect Bravo Sierra, Bravo Sierra and our good friend, Joe Dolio, who is, uh, who's kind of in a runoff there in Michigan for a prosecutor seat at least uh, according to what I've posted on social media. So we'll see if anybody actually takes that as authentic. Now, Joe, to be honest, I think you would be, you'd be a great candidate um, for that position. So I'm going to, uh, to actually bring this up um, just so we can get a smile here um, 
to kind of start off the night. So I'm doing good. Um, I, the humidity I kind of lost my my voice a little bit, and um, so I had two, I have two co two cords of firewood to be delivered yet, and I got a text today from the guy who delivers my firewood, and he's like, "Hey, like I can't do it this weekend. I tested positive for uh, COVID." So I'm like, well, yeah, no problem. We can, I've got enough wood to, to last a long time. But um, so, yeah, I think he's doing, he's doing fine. So let's take a look over here. All right. Now, um, you know, this was a pretty shoestring campaign with Joe Dolio and uh, in Michigan running for Wayne County prosecutor. Now, again, Joe's not going to put a lot of money into the advertising uh, because he just has better places to put his money. Smart. He's going to run on reputation. Um, he was up by 190 thousand votes at one point um but it's kind of like a runoff right now so but let's look at this was this was the uh, ad that was uh that was appearing on social media yard signs they're pretty much scooped up now the college kids have them in dorms um you know i've seen a few on ebay a few of these i mean if you get the bigger one like the the six by eight ones i mean the ones that were meant to go on billboards um you know they're about a thousand bucks um so but yeah, vote Joe Dolio, Wayne County prosecutors, a complete write-in campaign. And anytime you get north of 500,000 votes on a write-in campaign, that's a hell of a job. So um, yeah, I mean, we're hoping Joe um, stays stays in it. I mean, he was up by 190,000 votes with 95% of precincts reporting, uh, but it's a dead heat right now. He's actually trailing at the start of this podcast. He's trailing by seven votes. So I don't know. We're going to see where the recount goes. Um, but anyway, you know, dolioforamerica.net actually has been deplatformed. Um, so yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So what it is, it's kind of hard, right? I mean, what do you, what do you do? Good. We want good people in office and, uh, we're not going to get good people running if this type of, uh, shenanigans keeps going unchecked. So, all right, well, you're going to take a swig from the, the cup of knowledge. That cup is way too shallow for this early in the show. Um, so, um, New York, not New York, um, Los Angeles Times came out with a COVID county by county um, graph, right? So, I'm going to, I've got it up here. Let's switch over. So, for those of you watching at home, this makes sense. If you're listening to this on a, on a replay on MP3 only. What I'm showing you is a map of the United States, which I assume you're familiar with. Uh, Joe Dolio, donations accepted. So yeah, um, I guess it's probably for next year's campaign or 2022 for Joe. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this is a map. This is from an article, Los Angeles Times, right? That came out yesterday, and they're saying we've put we've mapped all the counties in in the United States or parishes or wherever you live, whatever they call it. Um, and, and here's your risk level for COVID. So obviously kind of where I live here in, in Wisconsin, actually I live very close to where it's a darker red, but um, this, this thing is totally misrepresented and oversold. <laughs> like the value of this is, is pretty thin, right? Um, just again, we go face validity. They're selling this like anyone is going to check this before they make plans. That's the thing, right? Go in here and check this before you make your plans. So if you're going to whatever area, you can see what your risk is of COVID or if you want to assemble 
a gathering or what the size of it would be. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. This is fluid, right? And you don't, it's, there's so many things with this, right? <laughs> you don't have standardized testing. Um, that this, this is, is, and it's like, are you going from point A to point B without stopping at us at a subway restaurant, you know, right here in Ohio or over here in Nebraska? I mean, this is, it's, it's one of those things that you can do, right? Just because you can do something like this doesn't mean that it has value. That happens all the time in research. Like somebody will show me something or whatever and say, well, we did this. We created this. School safety, one of the, you know, always, we've got this like flip chart, Dave, like, you know, it's 21 things you can flip to. What if a flying saucer attacks our school? And like, you know, I put a lot of time into it, right? I mean, you worked hard. A washing machine works hard. But what's the value of this? I mean, so so let's go down because um, this type of stuff just... Um, it, it it just really irritates me because it's it's getting a lot of press. Um, right, it's lost. I just time, but I mean, it's getting a lot of residual um, press. It's getting amplified by you know different blue checks and things like that. So um, they start. How likely is it that you'll encounter at least one person who's infected with the coronavirus if you go to a bar in Denver? And then you know all of these crazy scenarios. Well, how about Thanksgiving dinner with twenty five guests in L.A.? But they come down and they make some some. Um, yeah, then they make this, this statement here at the end of this this guy saying, I can see a lot of people saying it's been a hard year and we really need to be with friends and family. She said, I guess she said, I get that. I hear that, but it's going to have consequences. Um, you know, it's, this is just nuts. This is this is just nuts. So this is a type of thing that, um, you know, Mictibus, um, you know, read. You know, you guys, you guys are seeing this and, and, you know, like, right. You look at this thing and you're like, yeah, but it looks impressive. Right. So if somebody put this out there and was making, you know, some arguments, um, this is a, this is laminated to a moment in time based upon old data. <laughs> so, so this, you know, this will continually flex and it's also, as I read through it, it's not really adjusted for population density either. So let's say you're in an area that's sparsely populated, but it has a lot of space. Um, a couple tests could could throw things pretty significantly. It's called the law of small numbers in statistics. But anyway, I'm not going to rant too much on this. It's just I don't like this because this is easily perceived by people of, okay, the the darker orange red areas are bad. Well, who the hell is really going up to South, Northern South Dakota, by the way, and Northern North Dakota um, anyway. And this is, I mean, and this also has a weird logic sense to it that doesn't make sense. So your coastal areas in California, I know damn well, like from talking with many member checks out there, that's not close to accurate. And what's happening um, you know, on the coast and in, in, in Florida. So this is just, it's not an accurate representation of a standardized testing for COVID and stuff like this. It's just, it's messed up. So enough with that, right? I can't, I can't spend any more time on that. Um, so, yeah. So, all right, Bacon is here. It's our good friend, Bacon Maldito from Inglewood, California. I hereby sentence you to death by bayonet. Yikes, yikes. None of that stuff going on. LA Times along with New York Times. 
Yeah, the media's the media's really been really been going for the win here lately. So let's do a public service uh, at the start. And the public service is please subscribe to the show. Or if you have multiple YouTube accounts, like log into them and subscribe to this channel. I have 242 subscribers, 151 episodes as of today, over 200 hours of content, over 100 guests, including Larry Lawton, who was the biggest jewel thief in America for a while. And uh, so, yeah, you know, Juan Cabrero was on the show. Joe Dolio was on the show. It's content. It's free. It's not monetized. Smash and subscribe and let's get it out there. I know I appreciate that you come in here. Uh, for the evening's um, chat. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your support. Thanks. Also, I've seen a little bit of an uptick on uh, Twitter, um, and I appreciate that. So Sass wrote, um, my daughter works at a bank. They sent her home and not allowed her back until she could pass a COVID test. Yikes. Um, I'm kind of see. I, so the University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, tonight on the news, said, Anybody that goes home as a student for Thanksgiving, um, when they come back, they have to submit to frequent uh, COVID testing. And I'm assuming maybe some quarantine. Um, but but yeah, so pretty strong message of, you know, don't go home. <laughs> and so it is going to be a really, um, it's, it's really going to get to be uh, dicey with with all of this this testing like Milwaukee area they've said we're saturated with testing so we're just we're mm -hmm. we're pulling back and limiting it to I don't know essential workers we're going to go through all of that hoopla again right of people getting their papers of I'm an essential worker so um, remember our our um, good friend um, God sakes. It's bad when it's this early in the show, and I can't remember who I've had on as guest in the last year. So, uh, yeah, bear with me. We might have to turn this one over the bacon if it goes. Oh, Chuck Mack. Yeah, if it goes any. Okay, yeah, Chuck Mack, University of Pittsburgh Med. So Chuck was saying, um, you know, he was he was given papers by the University of Pittsburgh Medical, took pictures of them, and sent them to me. I mean, I can share this stuff now because we're months be, you know, beyond that. That was like March, April. Um, and he was pulled over, right, driving to and from University of Pittsburgh Medical. A lot of this was, you know, kind of early hours and stuff like that because his role in IT. And he had to show his papers, you know, I'm an essential employee and things like that. We're, we're going to see that ramp up, right? You're going to see where um, it, you're not going to be able to, you know, use public transportation unless you have some kind of, you know, testing verification or whatever. It, it's just it's all going to happen. I'm actually amazed that more schools haven't closed just for the fact that from a liability standpoint, um, schools don't have protections right now. K-16, there hasn't been any government protection against someone contact tracing and saying, hey, was it this school concert or was this school football game? That, you know, whatever. These people contracted this and now there's this permanent, um, you know, possible disability of, of maybe some lung scarring, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, I mean, yeah, thanks for sharing that sass. I, I think, I think we're headed, I think we're headed there. So yeah, one, one, it's stock cracking jokes. So this is a good episode, at least, uh, at least the first 19 minutes of it is going to be worth listening to. 
A man isolated on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean for the last 57 years dies of coronavirus tonight. Yes, but what washed ashore? That's the thing, Bacon. What what washed ashore? So, um, all right. The vessel of knowledge. We're, we're drawing this one down. All right. Tonight's mix is, is pretty hot. Um, so, Veterans Day. Uh, you know, a number of schools aren't recognizing Veterans Day anymore, formally, which is pretty damn disheartening to me. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't, not that I don't like Veterans Day. I, I, I do, veterans and soldiers, uh, certainly. But, uh, but I don't, I, I don't like um, that schools are apprehensive to um, recognize Veterans Day. And now I understand, right? You know, you can make an argument now. We're not going to, to you know, have assemblies and, and, you know, things like that because we don't want to get our students in close proximity. I get that. But some schools, you know, know they recognize, right, this this is a, a civic, I believe, responsibility. And they're having, um, you know, veterans either either do uh, kind of like a Zoom in type thing with, with some students um, or they're coming to the school being socially distanced and, and doing some presentations. Um, but some schools, I think, have used um, 2020 as an excuse to kind of, of quietly um, erase Veterans Day from something that's formally acknowledged. I mean, a number of schools have the, the day off, especially California. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's pretty appalling. I, I remember, um, you know, the veterans coming in speaking when I was in, in high school. I mean, I love this. I love the stories, but, but you had respect, right? You had respect in the bleachers. Even as a high school kid, you had respect when veterans came in and spoke. I lived in a part of town. Um, so anyway, let me get to that part of town in just a second. I got I got so if you haven't seen, yeah, there was a picture of me taken on um, that my wife took on Halloween in my firefighter uh, gear, and I'm turned sideways to the to the camera in perfect sunlight. It's just it's an awesome picture. <laughs> it's the best picture of me uh, taken in a couple of years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to that one uh, for you know some different some different social media stuff that I do because. Uh, yeah, it, it's just it's a great picture. I might bring it up here. Um, all right, let's go through. Uh, thanks for being in the in the chat. So Juan says, uh, uh, too many might leave California if they require a COVID vaccine for employment. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who work in the medical sector and they're really um, uh, cognizant. Like they're 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 hyper aware that their employer might say you get vaccinated or you're terminated, and uh, you know you might not have much recourse in that. So in those, in those settings. So they're already kind of thinking, what is my, you know, what is my plan B? So me at 1099, um, retired kind of working part-time person out of here, the North Star recording studio, um, no vaccinations happening down here. And if you can, if you can uh, make it down here in the North Star recording studio, um, yeah, this place is far from sanitary, far from sanitary. It is, uh, the carpet's been down here 17 years, and uh, it's not good. It's not good. But it is what I call an immune building system um, to be down here. So, yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Cameron, thanks for coming in. Cameron wrote, my university requires us to leave campus until next semester once Thanksgiving comes around. That sucks. Sorry about that. 
I'm sorry about that. So yeah, the whole, it's not the university experience. I wouldn't argue that point. It's the continuity of instruction, right, Cameron? And you can maybe share more about this, but it totally goes out the window when you start to have, well, we're going to be in person for this amount of time, then we're going to be virtual and in person. And I can tell you as a university instructor, somebody who teaches high level college classes, that's not easy to do. Um, to, to take a, a class and then suddenly shift it into a virtual format and then shift it back and, and things like that. Um, and I've, I've built online courses for like 20 years. I've instructed partially online, if not fully online, back with Blackboard in the day. Um, in the University of Phoenix, I taught, um, what the hell did I teach for them? Um, applied statistics, I think. Whoa. So... Story with that, and I had another story that I lost here. If anybody remembers it, please remind me so I can get back to it. Story when I taught for University of Phoenix online, um, I had a student impacted by Hurricane Katrina, and she was in uh, New Orleans and had to evacuate, so moved, you know, like an hour north, and then like would log into class, do her stuff. Then the next day, she'd log in. She'd be like an hour further north because the hurricane kept moving up. And uh, so I got a hold of her and she was like at this gym or something, you know, at a school. And I'm like, you know, you don't, you can, you can drop the class. Like I will give you, I'll make a notation that you've, you've fulfilled the requirements to this point and you can take the class again. You know, the university will work with you on that. As, as an instructor, I mean, I'd be able to say, you know, the circumstances didn't allow the student to complete the class. I'll give them an incomplete and they can come back and then they don't have to pay additional tuition, stuff like that. And she's like, no, this is like the only thing that is standard in my life is being able to log in. Everything else is totally chaotic, right? So, which made sense. And she did a great job. Actually, the newspaper did an article about that. Um, it was such a remarkable kind of story, like that she had been been literally day by day um, going from these different evacuation sites and continued to participate in this class. Was a, was a terrific student, by the way. And I suppose it's kind of like your main thing, right? That you're participating in class and it was some pretty heady content. I mean, to do like applied stats. I always, and I've always taught classes at very high rigor level. So <laughs> if you've come through my classes, you damn well have been through the ringer I just have high expectations, which everybody should have. And today, one of my soups in my superintendent legal issue classes, which is a very intense class, wrap that up in fall. One of my soups emailed me this morning, or a former, you know, that was in the class. He's in a big district, a really kind of complicated setting, and said, uh, hey, just wanted to thank you. We ran across XYZ scenario that we talked about in class. You laid it out. I was able to, uh, I felt competent in, you know, analyzing this, proposing uh, ways to frame it, ways to argue it, so forth. And anyway, just like, thanks, because like without the class, I wouldn't have been prepared to deal with this issue. And I mean, when, you know, people don't have to do that, right? Like there's no, there's no incentive for him to, to do this. So you know that you've made an impact with somebody, and this is a professional, right? Really good guy, really good guy. young guy, like probably early thirties. I mean, easily fifteen years younger than I am, and um, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, this is this is good, right? And I know there were some times in class um, he would he would position things from a real thoughtful angle. I call it kind of the panoply approach. So the vessel of knowledge, 
the vessel of knowledge is growing shallow this evening. So he would, he would look at things from these like, you know, kind of like, you know, thousand foot perspectives, and then he would bring it back down. Just a, just a good guy. Um, so anyway, I got an email from, from him, which was pretty cool. So um, I've got something in my hand here. I want to want to show in just a moment. So um, Juan wrote, email me your license plates. So I don't add you to the list of cars to send back. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Juan, the Aztec, uh, uh, or Sasa saying to Juan, I think everyone will be required at some point in the future. Yeah, we're, we're close, right? We're close to having, well, most of the new licenses, at least in Wisconsin, have a barcode on them. So it's not far off from somebody saying whether you've been vaccinated or not, or whether you've been tested, somehow gets put into some data system, which cross-references to the barcode on your license or your identification. So, hey, we just lost some people. So I hope the show's not going bad <laughs> or something else like didn't start. Are we getting blacked out here? I think the show's going pretty well. So um, anyway, bring your friends in here. We were up to like 14. Now we're down to nine. Oh, by the way, I've got to bring up my monitoring site here over on the on the side. Um, that's a pretty um, pretty frenetic setup here with a with a partially disabled keyboard, which is which is disheartening. Um, but again, I've got a replacement happening going on here. So there we go. There we go. So um, let's let's touch base here with the the questions. Um, Sass, do you uh, know who owns the entire education system? Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Um, so I've always prided myself on having you know, a lot of rigor in my classes. When I initially started to teach college, um, I don't know, 17 years ago, right? 17 years ago, I had milk crates, you know, that from the time I used to work at a grocery store back in the eighties, like, you know, I was able to get some of these things so I could store stuff. It became furniture in college bookcases, but I had a, a milk crate for every single class that I taught. And I had these like in my basement. And so it'd be like class one, class two, class three, class four, class five. And then I would just bring it in and have all my materials. And, you know, back in the day you didn't have where you could just put stuff up on a website. A lot of it had to be copied and handed off, but you know, I always held a high standard. And I mean, I, I had a handful of instructors in my time who did that. You know, a lot of them didn't, right? But, you know, some did. I can name the ones who really who really were great. Um, um, bacon. Unholy hell, Juan. Yeah, Juan. Come on. Juan, you're the guy. Vaccines um, should be up to the individual. And the individual decides, could you really enforce a vaccine mandate? The thing is, like, Juan, right, you could enforce as, as um, AOC has said, kind of this list threat that she put out there. You know, we're going to put people on a list if they support the Trump administration. You could be cross-referenced, again, with your driver's license ID, barcode, things like that, whether you've taken a vaccine or not. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that obviously the technology is there to do it. Here's the thing too, right, Juan? Like, I, I watched your latest podcast, so which I appreciate. You're talking about... Um, you know, being, being a parent and getting, you know, your, your, your being involved with your kids, getting your kids out. Um, I have a lot of respect for Juan and, you know, Juan, if you're posting pictures, right, you take your kids to, to mirror woods in California and you're getting them out hiking, stuff like that. So really good, really good dad stuff. Um, so 
but yeah, we go, we go into this um, and you know, you're going to be able to identify you. The systems are in place to identify who's had a vaccine and who hasn't. So it's just what, what happens then? Or is there a social credit score that gets put into place of if you don't have one, you get knocked down on a social credit score. I mean, it could do, it could have all of these things, right? It could impact your ability to get a loan or mortgage or your credit card rate. We don't know how these things could intertwine. I mean, there's people behind the scenes already figuring this stuff out or that have figured this stuff out. Um, but the manipulation is real. And, and I was pointing this out. If And I, I'm not going to show the Tom Scott video again, which I like to show, social credit score. I'll put it right here. Tom Scott social credit score. It's under three minutes. It's on YouTube. Don't, don't view it now. But hey, I, I gained a couple subscribers. Please go in and subscribe to the show. I appreciate it very much. Subscribe to the Safety Doc podcast. Find me on Twitter at Safety PhD. So, but as 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 Juan indicated, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be much pressure to to get these vaccines. And Juan, I think where you're at, right? Washington, Oregon, and um, and California have already said they're going to have an independent panel review the efficacy, <laughs> the, the research behind any vaccine that is proposed. So that'll get delayed. I think you're going to have these kind of regional groups get together, uh, maybe like, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, and Michigan, whatever. And, um, and now Pfizer comes out today and says, well, you know what? Like the vaccine that we touted a couple days ago, which then, of course, our CEO and, you know, other hierarchy made millions because they sold stock, which was planned, right? Where it's a planned stock scale, you know, so well, it's planned the same day that you make an announcement that, you know, your vaccine is 90% effective, but then you go down and it's like in these certain subgroups in this certain set of conditions. And so really like nothing, right. But, um, but then Pfizer comes out and says, yeah, but there, you know, there are consequences, all your side effects of this vaccine. So, of course, like it's absolutely ridiculous that we're anywhere close to a vaccine. I mean, if you look at this from an empirical scientific method, right? So underneath here, this will be this will be listed as um, there'll be some little headings under YouTube or Twitter or whatever saying the scientific community has proven that the scientific method is you know effective for vaccines and whatever the hell. I'm sure like something will be tagged, but I'm telling you, like, and you know this, you know this. I mean, Juan and Joe. Um, we're, we're years off. If you could, you know, where the coronavirus is, in my research and my understanding, and I would, I would, you know, place value in the member checks that I have, you know, like, you know, Joe Dolio writes uh, brilliantly about member checks. Um, you know, they're saying, you know, if this was as easy as people, uh, as it's being portrayed, we'd have, we'd have vaccine for the common cold. I mean, we'd have a vaccine for AIDS and all of this type of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's being manipulated out there. So stock sales could go up and down. So, you know, uh, political favor can be manipulated. It's just crazy. So um, let's go over here. Uh, Joe said, they believe they can, but the Fourth Amendment should protect your body from government intrusion absent a warrant, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're going to see challenges on that one. I wouldn't put it past California, the only state uh, with its own damn emissions. Hey, Juan um, or, or, or Bacon, didn't I see that California now has where you can't put natural gas um, to heat a house after it's pretty, it's pretty soon, right? A couple of years, the mandate to be that a house cannot have a natural gas system in California to heat it. Now I heat my house with wood. So um, 
you know, I think there's going to be a time also when I'm going to be, I mean, areas around here, probably maybe not during my lifetime and I'd be grandfathered in whatever, or maybe you'd have some like tax put on your house, right? They would look and say, oh, you have a wood burning fireplace, you eat your house with a wood insert. So, you know, you're the $500 carbon tax. But I mean, right now I've got wood burning upstairs. I mean, not, as we speak, the house is being heated with wood. Um, so yeah, these these things are really these things are really crazy. The chat's really great tonight. Like we haven't even touched on the topics, but as I feel in good spirit and good energy, so we'll keep it going. Most of our in-person classes, uh, Cameron wrote, eventually shifted to online. Most of our professors decided they didn't want to come back to campus the rest of the semester. Yeah, of course, right? The professors are manipulating this also. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 that's that's certainly that's certainly part of what's of what's going on here is um, processing. Yeah, I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back to campus. You know, I'm going to put whatever up. And I mean, not I'm not, that's probably not a blanket statement with profs, but yeah, I mean, and I've spoken with a lot of people who authentically are are like hyper hyper frightened that you know they're going to contract coronavirus uh, on campus and right. I would I would counter those claims with saying, I mean, what precautions do you take when you go to Walmart when you're filling up with gas, grabbing the handle that you know a hundred other people have have uh, you know grabbed that morning and and stuff like that. I mean, I think we have to look at these points of of contact and where systems fatigue, um, HVAC systems and stuff like that to really you know make judgments about how safe we are in different settings. But yeah. Um, so, so going back here um, it, in the chat, uh, Bacon wrote to Juan, Juan, I wouldn't put it past California. Yeah, I read, I read that one, uh, Cameron. All right, my, again, my mouse sucks. Like this will be replaced by the end, end of the night. When I bought this thing, well, first of all, so it's a Logitech 500 and the first model I bought had the most piss poor convoluted scary packaging in the world. Um, and when I opened it up, I cut the cord on the mouse. It was it was completely um, counterintuitive of how they wrap the cord like around the outside of the package, and the, you couldn't see the goddamn thing. So by the time I got the mouse out, I cut the cord in half. So then I got this mouse, which from day one was you know uh, receiving a disability check because the top button for scrolling didn't work. But I was like, I had to press it into service. I didn't have anything else going at the time. So hopefully by the end of end of uh, today or tomorrow, I'll have a functioning keyboard and a functioning mouse. The keyboard that I have in front of me is supposed to be lighted, um, illuminated, which never happened from day one. <laughs> and um, so we'll see if the, the next one does it. I just need something that works. And I don't get this too, right? I had a Commodore 64. I wish I had that keyboard. That thing was like golden. That was great. This thing's piss poor, as is the mouse. They're both wired though because they're so much interference here that anything you go wireless is a complete cluster. So uh, Bacon wrote to, to Joe, I see them getting around that with coercing private businesses and requiring them technically mandates aren't enforceable unless the other party agrees. Okay, let's go. Hey, look at my own stuff there. Follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. I, I genuinely mean that at safety PhD on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm up around 2,700 followers, which is like great, although I've been there like forever. <laughs> so when we were in Disney back in 2017, March of 2017, we drove down to Disney Orlando, which was awesome because uh, it was snow covered, like two feet of snow in Wisconsin. It was like a, 
a piss poor, snowy, windy day when we left. And, you know, a couple of days later, we arrive in Florida and it's 80 degrees. I'm just rolling down the window as we're going down I-4. And I'm like, this is so awesome. And uh, I remember checking my Twitter and I had like 300 Twitter followers. And I thought that was the best thing in the world back then. I'm like, look at like, and I started, you know, the podcasts, I don't know, back in 2017, maybe had, you know, less than 50 episodes and had some subscribers. And so now we're up to 244 subscribers, which a show should have like a thousand, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest, let's get people to subscribe, but, um, but yeah, I appreciate that. So um, tacticalwisdom.com. Hey, that is our friend, Joe Dolio, Joe Dolio, who's running prosecutor Wayne County for the state of Michigan, uh, tacticalwisdom.com. That is uh, one of the best blogs on the internet, tacticalwisdom.com. Joe Dolio, um, I will heavily cite that in my book, uh, The Velocity of Information, which I'm going to I'm going to go over to another screen because I have that updated just in the last few days to kind of reflect what's happened with the election. But uh, Joe Dolio, that's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant uh, website, tacticalwisdom.com. Um, Red, wood-burning stoves are working toward being outlawed in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. I know in the county next to me, um, Dane County, Madison, Wisconsin, all of that, that there are more restrictions uh, being put on. And, and I, I would expect there'll be a time when um, you'll have a luxury tax and a recurring tax um, if you do have that in your house. So, you know, I'm glad I live in kind of still a rural uh, county in Wisconsin, but you're right. I mean, it, at some point there, they will either be banned um, and, or else you'll, you'll have a carbon tax that you'll be paying. Um, so, which really sucks. So at the farm homestead, we had one saved us so much on heat. Yeah, I actually read this does save me a lot on heat. It's very rare in winter. I mean, I have a furnace in the house too, right? But it's very rare in winter that I'll have a heating slash electric bill that's more than maybe 125 bucks. I mean, and that's, you know, so we're talking hot water heater, laundry, stuff like that. And I've got a couple kids and two daughters. So I mean, I spend a lot of time when they're in the showers using hot water and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean that my, I have a, I have a stone wall in back of my, my fire insert. So the stone wall heats up and then radiates heat for the next maybe 10 or 12 hours. Really a nice setup until it gets banned. Red Crusader, and it isn't uh, for big government to make us reliant on electric heat. Yeah, this house actually was built with electric heat um, in 79, and it was retrofitted with natural gas. So that's kind of some weird HVAC going on here. So um, let's see. Um, Bacon, Doc, this is why I hardwire everything when I can. Can't, right, can't. Um, yeah, I my mouse and keyboard are actually hardwired. Um, Joe Dolia, working on a post for tomorrow. Joe, thanks for giving a shout out to me in one of your recent posts. Also, some people email me or or comment to me, you know, in direct messages and stuff. And they're like, "Hey, you're on Tactical Wisdom." Like Joe gave me a shout out. Like, thanks, good good guy. It's hell of a hell of a uh, blog. Also, um, working on a post for tomorrow about having redundant communications plan going into this weekend. Yeah, last night's. Um, when, when YouTube went down last night, that had kind of a dark feel to it. Right. Um, I, I think we're in for more of that. And when things, I mean, people are just like, well, YouTube will be around, Twitter will be around and these things. I'm like, yeah, I'm not so sure. Like these systems will be as reliable as what you think. I mean, shortwave radio probably is really the way to go for some of these things. Atham wrote, all my classes will be online this spring. That sucks. 
It sucks. I'm sorry. No, Atham, I mean, I genuinely am. I mean, I'm sorry that all of the classes are going to be online. Um, I'm thinking back to when I was in the university uh, as a student, which was like 10 years. Not kidding. I mean, I have two masters and a PhD. I would recommend to nobody to take the route that I did, but it did lead me to this as being the safety doc and the author of School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, the book you should buy, 204 pages. It's really about chaos management. It's a hell of a good book. Um, consider it. Consider it. Leave a review on Amazon. We need more reviews for this book. It's in hundreds of libraries across the world, including Squamish, British Columbia. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, today, there's no way I would recommend anybody to take the path, the path that I took. Um, so speak, uh, Bacon Road, speaking of docs, tech issues, every type in, in the comments. Yeah, yeah. This this keyboard has been substandard since day one. So I'm sure the one I replaced it with is, it's identical. So I expect it's going to also have flaws. Um, so last night may have been a test. Yeah, I had a weird feeling about last night. Um, it just, it didn't seem right. So I study um, chaos engineering. So um, Netflix 2011, kind of Colton Andrus, Colton, K-O-L-T-O-N-A-N-D-U-R-S, Colton Andrus, um, with the company Gremlin now, um, talking about these redundancies built into systems, for example, Amazon and Netflix, you know, from 2011 forward, uh, basically like they call it chaos monkey. What happened if someone went in a server room, just started pulling wires all like crazy? What would happen? Um, how could you keep your system up? So with U2 and redundancy, it was pretty awkward last night to have that period where a lot of the system was down for a long amount of time. So is it that something was flawed in the system or was the system turned off to do some cleansing of the system? I mean, so really, right? Um, uh, okay, uh, Mictibus, absolutely. They were testing the kill switch. These next few weeks are going to be interesting. And I'm going to get into that. There is there is a real incentive for big tech to flex their muscles right now to say, you know, what would how would Americans respond if we shut down YouTube for a day or if we shut down Gmail for a day? And I do have this in my show notes. So I'll probably get to it now. But, you know, these are all free services. We agreed to have Gmail, you know, you have some kind of agreement. We initially signed on, which none of us read. And then they've evolved the agreements and so forth. And we just clicked. But, you know, so our, our Gmail, our Google Suite is free. A lot of K-12, a lot of K-16 runs on this. Google Classroom, they're not paying for any of this. They're not paying a dollar. So what if all of a sudden, you know, there's some talk of, well, Google's a monopoly. And we're going to challenge, you know, Google as a monopoly. And Google says... You know, okay, um, everybody has to charge, everybody's paying $5 a month uh, starting, you know, March 1st for their Gmail and another $5 for their Google Suite. And we'll give you an option. You can download or you can pay us $100, you know, for whatever. You know, we'll, we'll send you a thumb drive with up to, you know, five terabyte of your stuff on it. Um, but otherwise, we're going to delete or you're going to lose access starting March 1st unless you pay $5. And also YouTube content creators who are making, some of my friends are making $4,000 a month as YouTube content creators. And, and these are people who, <laughs> they're not only, this, this isn't only fan stuff. These are people who are actually 
rendering, producing content of, you know, going out into state parks and historical sites and survival and things like that, making $4,000 a month. YouTube could say, you know, we're going to cut that in half. We have a lot of people providing us content right now. Um, we, we don't have to pay this out. And we're, you, what would happen? You're still going to have people providing the content, right? I mean, but you could have this weird flexing of muscles right away by these, these big corporations and with little recourse, right? What could you do as a school district other than pay this? What could you do as an individual? I mean, if I was faced with this, I mean, we all have, you know, have probably our Gmail accounts. I mean, yes, of course, you know, intelligent people have Proton Mail accounts and things like that. But I mean, so many people have Gmail, the majority of people, um, that they would just, they would go along with it, right? They would agree to, to that. And this is this whole thing where I've, I've also said like 70% of people would just agree to things if you told them they had to do it or it would return their lives to normal. That's the whole social credit score um, kind of, you know, assign people a social credit score on whether if you get a vaccine, you get like a hundred points toward your social credit score. If you told people, you know what, you, you know, we're going to give everybody a social credit score. And if you get vaccinated against COVID, if you, you know, whatever, you know, we could put these things, if you do these things, like you'll have 700 points and the highest you can get is like 850 or something like that. And because the 700 points will also give you like some tax credits um, we'll give you access you can you know use like on Amazon or Netflix or whatever. I mean, people just do it. Amazon Prime for a year. People would do it. 70% of people would do it. That's the dangerous thing, right? Red, right? SAS, right? Mictibus. People would agree to that in the majority. And then we're sitting over here in the chat thinking like, well, what, what the hell? Like we've just been sold out. Let's go over to the, the chat. Um, San Francisco. San Francisco will ban natural gas new buildings becoming the latest in a string of cities in California to impose such restriction. That's from Bacon. So, yeah. I mean, and so think about this. You're banning natural gas from buildings. Wow. Um, Red, all we need is some servers and some special encoding to broadcast over their own wires. Yeah, the thing with big tech, right? And, and Red, you, you're doing a great job pointing this out is there will be some evolution. Like, so if you look at the companies of like from good to great and all these all these companies that have been, you know, books have been written about these companies have been successes. If you look at them five to 10 years later, they're, they're not the success that they were. Um, Daniel, I don't have the book over here. Daniel Kahneman writes about it in Thinking Fast and Slow. But, you know, these companies regress to the mean or other companies catch up. So like YouTube will be overtaken by something else, whether it be like a bit shoot. Um, Twitter will be overtaken by like a parlor or gab or something like that. This is just kind of the natural ebb and flow of, of, of things. Um, but uh, let's go on here. Red, can you make a group poster chat about that? Yeah, I can't, but maybe somebody can or help me with that if you're talking to me. Um, okay. So uh, SAS wrote the server farms they manage are in the hundreds of millions, billions, probably, right? If you're talking about YouTube, yeah, all over the world, right? And server farms located next to substantial rivers where they divert the rivers into these facilities just to cool, cool the servers. So it's really crazy stuff. Um, mesh networks, Mictibus uh, um, is writing. So um, Red Crusader, but it is old school net. We live in uh, 1989, probably, if we want a pure network. So. All right, let me get to, um, so I showed 
anybody um, in the in the chat recognize what this is? I showed this to somebody. I held this up, and it was you know it's Veterans Day, right? Yesterday was Veterans Day, and people often forget the Coast Guard is a form of military. So it's like, no, Coast Guard is you know part of the military. Right? I have a couple friends in the Coast Guard. There, I was like, Dave, we're part of the military. I'm like, yeah, I I know. Like I'm I'm there for you. Larry Lawton was in in the Coast Guard, so I showed this to somebody. I'm like, what is this? All right, but and somebody can answer, you know, down in the chat. What is this? Because the first answer I got was the craziest absolute thing. Um, so yeah, what is what is this? So red, what is it? All right, damn it, you guys are letting me down right now. Come on, come on, help Doc out. What 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 am I holding right here? Yeah, it's a grenade. So Atham is right. No. All right. There are many reasons this will be flagged in the... Well, it's not going to be monetized uh, anyway. And uh, my last show, because I showed the, the Tom Scott video, got demonetized, which is funny because I'm not eligible for AdSense. And Anyway, yeah, Mesquite, Joe, Joe's right. So this is from World War II. Um, so this was... Um, I've had this for many years. It dates back to uh, World War II. And I found many of these on online. And I've done some research. So basically... So somebody thought this was a gun. Like they're like, yeah, that's a gun. Like, well, it's, it's not a gun, but what it is, it's yeah, it's it's um, and there's different variations, but um, so it's it's a foot long. It's you know kind of like a mess kit, as Joe said, right? So you got a spoon, and this is like you could hammer with this thing, and uh, and a fork and knife, and you know so this one's in needs to be cleaned up, and it's got bone, you know, on the outside. But so this would have been issued to a soldier during World War. Two and you know you would have had this during your your tour, so it's pretty cool actually. I I knew I had this like I didn't exactly know where I had it, so I found it. And I'm gonna bring this biking when I do my treks in summer because I often. Well, one is it's good to have something like that, right? And the other thing is like I often have to pack like a spoon or things like that because I bring like tuna and protein protein when I'm biking. So um, let me go over here to the velocity of information graphic that um, I've had. And I made some updates to it, or had some updates made to it. And I want to share those. And these specifically go to what is what is happening right now. Um, so here we go, full screen. Okay. So this is this is the graphic. Let's, let's take a look at it. Uh, you know, you can pause, obviously, on this, right? Cool. Um, uh, bacon, yeah, that's pretty cool. That thing is pretty cool. And these, I need to pay a, a little attention to it, clean it up, but it, it is really cool. Works really well, that uh, that knife fork type thing. I mean, you wouldn't get stuff like that today. They just won't make it that quality. So velocity of information, this is the graphic. This now has to be printed on legal paper. It's grown. Um, I don't know how this will look in my book. <laughs> so I'm going to have to work with my publisher to figure out how in the hell we represent this in the book. We're probably going to have to break it down into like three or four pages. And But anyway, let's go. We already talked about, so March 13th was what's called, or, or basically in early March, we had what's called a black swan event. Black swan event. A black swan is something unpredictable with unforeseen consequences. It's also known as kind of like a force majeure event. In a lot of cases, these are bad things. A black swan is a bad thing. It results in, in something bad happening. So obviously COVID-19, 
Um, you know, NBA basketball game shut down at halftime. It's a black swan. Um, people, you know, buying all the toilet paper, hand sanitizers, stuff out of stores, things being shut down, hours being restricted, people told to stay at home. Black swan event. So we lead through this. We get into finite voltage in May or June. This is also when we had all of those parades, remember? Our healthcare heroes parades. That was really done. That's a, that's a psych, uh, psych uh, ops type thing. So that's made to give the impression um, that we are, we're changing direction during a time of chaos. But anyway, um, we get into this point of finite voltage, May, June, July. People start burning out. Civilians aren't designed to last during chaos events, especially now. I mean, back in World War II, I'd say people are much more rugged than they are today. But uh, yeah, so a lot of people just kind of losing it, losing hope, languishing. And then this crowd in behavior happened in August. This is when people start buying every video game system out there. Pillows, interior paint, puzzles, things to make them feel comfortable because they perceive that they're going to be in chaos for a long time. And then, you know, we kind of get all the way to the election and suddenly at the election, right, this is this is what happens. So let's let's go up, take a look over here. So what happens at the election is a Democratic Party allegedly, right, wins presidential election, or at least the media calls it as a Democratic win. So let's just go under that narrative right now. So media coverage immediately changes, right? <laughs> so you look at the framing, and I've, I've taken many samples out of different, you know, media, uh, mass media reports that I'm going to cite in my, in my book, um, but the media coverage changed politics, uh, especially Democratic agenda, right, was was positioned very favorably. Um, civil unrest really wasn't part of the narrative, even though Bacon, um, you know, um, Bacon Maldito, Bacon in, in, you know, comments right here was, was sharing video, was sharing accounts of what he was seeing in Seattle. Uh, we have other accounts from Joe of what was, was happening in the greater Detroit area, but it wasn't receiving media coverage. So, you know, uh, events of civil unrest were largely subdued by the media. COVID-19 had a positive light put on it, right? Pfizer has the vaccine. Um, there is going to be rapid testing under a democratic you know, administration and these type of things. So it became less scary for most people. Again, when I talk most people, I'm talking 70% of, of the population. In the chat, um, you guys are not in that 70% of the population. You are in the 1% of the population, which is as a high sentient level, really processing, grinding, sifting, winnowing through things. So thank you. I appreciate this. And, uh, and you don't know how many people look up to you that you interact with in a day and they're like, ah, Juan, you know, Bacon, Joe, they really, you know, sassed, right? They, get, they really know what, what they're doing. They can calibrate to you. So um, civil unrest, you know, economy looked positive, like stock market hit record highs. Um, part of that was on, you know, whatever the, the Pfizer, you know, it was down today. But for the most part, right, you know, so stock market, 28,000. But so what happens here is it's called sharp regression to the mean. So from March until the election, chaos continued and we didn't have any sense of what was what was normal. So things are getting more and more out of whack. Every day people are getting up. They don't know if there's going to be more restrictions or whatever. And then we had this sudden regression. The election happens and it's like, whoa, things seem like they're returning to normal. Stock market's going up. Media coverage turns positive. Civil unrest seems to end overnight. 
Um, and so there's this period like maybe of November 3rd through November 10, when things really quiet down. And a lot of people perceive this as, whoa, things have gotten back to normal. There is no such thing as normal. There's only similarity if you followed my work and read my book, but um, yeah, similarity. So things, so people are like, okay, we've had this sharp regression to mean that's these two lines going down the bottom line. The first line is people's perception. And the second line on the bottom here is actually, um, you know, like the stock market has, you know, goes up. Media coverage is portraying things in a more positive tone. So you objectively have these things that start to, to appear better. This is an illusion, right? <laughs> this is illusionary, but this is what people perceive. If you ask people between November 10, November 3 and November 10, you're sampling people, they're like, okay, you know, the Democrats won. We are going to have a change of, of leadership or regime, I guess, and things will return back to normal. And then there's some other things to this. Let's look at the bottom side. Revised social contract. So this is what people don't talk about. Revised social contract. Large-scale acceptance of censorship by media and corporations. So we accept it when, you know, right? Like, I'm not saying you and I, but as a society, people are like, okay, it's fine that Twitter puts a little comment underneath of the election has been verified by the AP or multiple sources. And there are many measures in place to ensure that there isn't election fraud. Yeah, bullshit, right? I mean, that's all fancy narrative that you have professionals working on and putting together. And suddenly I'm starting to go to YouTube videos suddenly, you know, in, in the November 3rd, November 10th, and, and I'm going to videos and it's saying, you know, this video has been identified as having, you know, uh, controversial con, you know, content or hostile content, or it's like civil war stuff, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, the, you know, where you think people suddenly the empowerment of big tech is we can go in and tell you what to do. We can, we, we will tell you if this is appropriate for you to view or not, we'll also give you a link to further educate you, quote unquote. And, you know, it's kind of this test thing. Well, you know, people didn't abandon the sites. It's it's just kind of another layer, but it gives this illusion, right? The big tech is looking out for people. They're, they're providing this filtration system. They're helping steer people back to the right course. It's all garbage. It's complete garbage. It's manipulation. Um, and, but how many people fell for this, right? How many, and, and the fact that we had people censored, we had people shut down. Look at Breitbart, the media site Breitbart. In June, the searches for Joe, Joe Biden, if you went to Breitbart, dropped to zero, like from Google. It was not directing sources to Breitbart. It just shut them down as a source of information. But this revised social contract is very important because after September 11th, 2001, after the 9-11 attacks, um, we had revisions, you know, uh, Patriot Act and and revisions of the Patriot Act, where we lost, you know, a lot of a lot of privacy and pretty passively, you know, we not only just take your shoes off at the airport and you know take three milliliters of shampoo with you, but we um, said, yeah, it's fine if you scan my email because you know if you're doing that for everybody and you're detecting terrorists, go for it. And um, yeah, it's fine if you're taking a sip off of my my Wi-Fi or you know my phone lines um, as as part of an effort to keep me safe from terrorism. I have nothing to worry about, right? So we just handed these things over, really without any debate. <laughs> this stuff got reauthorized with just basically a consent agenda or just a click of a hammer of a gavel. 
gavel. But um, so we also moved in November 2020 as uh, big step forward towards social credit scores. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. Social credit scores, just do a little bit of research. China's had them for a while. Japan has kind of had them. We've, we've had them. I mean, think of like your FICA score, right? Your credit scores being, you know, how much people are willing to lend you money, what you're going to pay for a loan on a car, stuff like that. Now, imagine a social credit score, which um, rates you as like, I almost like, how good of a citizen are you? Citizen as in like, how good are you at, at uh, adhering to uh, your government, right? And your government agenda, are you not rocking the boat? And if you're not, well, you know, we're going to give you maybe some tax credits or you're going to get, uh, you know, a break on airfare. Maybe you can get some, some expedited, um, you know, procedure if you're going onto an airplane or, you know, these things that they would throw out there as benefits for a higher social credit score. And if you don't have that, that, you know, it would be harder for you to, to get a loan maybe, or that your credit line would be, be less. Uh, maybe you couldn't get um, certain flights, like those would be restricted to you. You could only get the red eye. You could only fly a spirit like Aaron Clary. I don't know. But this isn't abstract anymore. This is very real. So it's kind of like be good, play by the rules which we make, which are subjective. And a lot of people just do this because why? Well, I'm, it, I'm, it's returning to normal, right, Dave? If I do this, it's a step toward returning to normal before March of 2020, which I liked. Although, like, that wasn't utopia. People remember it as utopia. But people will hand over the keys to privacy and freedom, which they'll never get back in exchange for social credit score. And, and, and you'll have these things public, right? These will be public scores. You'll be able to look it up if you're hiring somebody, if you're if you're contracting with them to do an addition on your house or anything else. Or if you're if you're like, hey, my you know, my new son-in-law here, what's his social credit score? This stuff is going to be very powerful. Who holds that? Big tech, government. Um, it's it's very close to being out there. So when AOC was saying we should have a list of people who supported the Trump administration and that list should be public forever and people should be able to analyze that list and use that list to inform decision making of whether they hire people and stuff like that. Whoa. And nobody walked that back on the Democratic side. Nobody did. So there's also this thing in November of 2020, we crossed over into discussions of of truth and reconciliation. Truth and reconciliation, go back, type that in, Google it, and put plus World War II, and you'll find, um, you know, uh, German uh, civilians, you know, being included with, with trials of how much did you know of what was happening, and in this kind of rewriting of history, South Africa also. Uh, this is extremely um, dangerous um, hyperbole to put out there that, again, isn't being walked back. This is something, you know, when I grew up, like when Reagan was president, you do this during a Reagan administration, like <laughs> you open your front door and, uh, you know, um, you know, men in black would, would be greeting you. You, you, could, you could have never done anything like this. So these things get tossed out there that would have never made it into play before. So let me go back to my, to me right here. And now they're being, they're being totally vetted, right? So this is some scary shit. This is really frightening stuff for people that know it. So I think with that diagram, I mean, if you can like freeze frame it, um, you know, look at it, 
again, I've shared this many times, but I mean, I'd be glad to share it also with you. But the diagram itself is a good explanation for people who don't really get what's going on. They kind of sense something's not right. They, they know like either this is too easy that we're quote unquote returning to normal. Um, and also the fact that big tech can suddenly put like this tweet is censored by the president of the United States or by, you know, other people and just kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, wipe these things out. Um, you know, this weird feeling. So use this diagram and say, well, yeah, this is kind of like where things are, you know, going. This is where it started. This is where it's going. And I think there was such a push by people. It's like this coiled spring, this regression to, um, you know, regress to the to the median, regret or regress to the mean. There was such a push for that. People wanted to get back to normal. So yeah, they took the election and they ran with it. They absolutely ran with it when it became um, portrayed as a democratic win. And they just said, okay, democratic win. We're going to get back to February of 2020. And you know, this is we might have some things we'll endure in the short term, right? We know that. Like we've been told we might have to do masks, we may have to do vaccines, but we will get back to whatever, which is not accurate, right? <laughs> so whoa. All right, let's go. Um SAS wrote um SAS wrote uh, social credit is much, much worse. Yeah, it's it's bad stuff. Camp Sick 1080. So Joe was talking and Joe and Joe talked about this. Um I had him on the show and, and, and he's, he's talked about this too, having a personal um, recording device, you know, with you, a video, video audio device, you know, which, which is very affordable on Amazon right now. It makes a, a lot of sense to have these things to record the interactions that you're having with people as some evidence. And at some point, like deep fakes, which I talked about, I talked about it in a 2019 PBS presentation. I said, you know, everything I've been kind of getting with intelligence says by 2022, deep fakes will be a huge issue for K-16 education. It'll be a huge issue for politics. And especially by 2024, deep fakes basically having these fake avatars, people who look like they're real. Like you could be watching me right now. I don't even exist. Like there's no doc. This is just all computer generated. And it's pretty authentic. Like you can type in little Michaela, L-I-L-M-I-Q-U-E-L-A. Uh, created by Calvin Klein a couple of years ago. She has like over 2 million Instagram followers. She's pretty benign. But what if you created somebody who was a little bit edgy or who was positioning some some agendas and they're not even real? Like it's just this team of people behind them and then they're, they're kind of like this burner avatar, right? You can have them out there for eight months or a year and then they can vanish. They can just be gone. Or you could say like they were deplatformed and this was never a person. This stuff is, is scary. And the other thing is you, know, you can take anybody and modify what they're saying. Like the technology exists. It's about 250 bucks right now. I've got friends in the intelligence agency who said, yeah, you know, Dave, for about 250 bucks, somebody with moderate computer ability could use this software, take this video. Um, they have enough of a sample of you speaking and they could, I mean, it's kind of like, what is it, Tom? You know, some of the Tom Cruise movies and stuff. Like, and, and they could basically create a video where you said anything. And the thing is, like, once it got out there, you know, you'd have to try to walk that back and look how fast, um, you know, governors, state legislators, you know, um, act when they they see video of um, of instance. Um, you know, they take it within you know the first couple hours and then make you know make some big statement, public statement. It's like you don't even know how authentic that video is. There hasn't been an investigation yet. 
This is one angle from whatever. You don't have a full context, but yet they take it and run. I think it's really a, it's it's really going to be impossible. You know, you take an employer and somebody wants to file a hostile work um, a, a, a grievance against you, right? So so you're working and someone says, hey, like, you know, um, this person is, is um, you know, creating a hostile work environment. And I have a video here where they said something, you know, which was inappropriate as they entered the building or, you know, so like they're on context or like in a break room or at a presentation. It's not authentic. And you get that to HR. To try to analyze this type of stuff, forensically analyze it, is very difficult. Even right now, the level of deep fakes being created with relatively easy software is very difficult to detect. It needs a team. You're not going to have that at a school. You're not going to have that at most employers. They're going to look at that and say, I don't know. We have this. We have this video. Seemingly, you did this, so here's your corrective action, or we are separating employment. So as Joe said, the importance of having video evidence um, of what you are participating in is going to be crucial. I would recommend to everybody, as, as, as Joe has said, have a personal body cam, especially interactions that you're doing. If you're presenting, if you're doing any type of presenting in public, any type of trainings, record what you are doing um, because you never know how these recordings will be captured and manipulated going forward. And you never know how someone is viewing you. Are you are you just uh, someone in existence? Are you someone that is um, you know going to ruffle against uh, some some grain that is that is out there, some agenda where your agenda is not going to match it? You know, as a school safety guy, right? Like in in School of Errors, which is you know get this book right off Amazon, School of Errors. Great book about chaos, but I mean, I ruffled a lot of feathers. You know, I, I took on um, tons of, of universities, um, so forth. When I when I challenged the professional standards for educators in in one of the chapters, um, but now, yeah, I mean, so there, there's there's incentive for people to raise doubt, um, but yeah. So let's um, one's going to bed. Oh no. Oh no, see about oh no. All right, let me let me get to this stuff here before you guys before you guys go to bed. Okay. So um let's set up the notes. One, what is First Amendment? So First Amendment protects freedom of religion, speech, press, petition, and peaceful assembly. Peaceful assembly, right? That's kind of the key. Peaceful assembly. Um, the First Amendment does not actually promise you the right to say whatever you want. It simply states that the government, the government cannot take action that interferes with those rights. So the government can't interfere you, you know, with peaceful assembly. Now that's been really stretched, right? As, as I would argue, you cannot, you absolutely can, you know, you can't block traffic and, and interrupt, you know, those, those, um, you know, for, for just the safety of a community, like that should not be considered as peaceful assembly yet. We've seen the bending of interpretations, um, by, you know, government, you know, local government and sometimes police department are saying, okay, you know, it's okay. We're going to shut down this major artery of, of the city, even though we're not going to be able to have first responders now use this. But um, one thing, true threats are not protected by the first amendment. So if you're making a statement where you're going to, you know, threaten somebody or, you know, you yell fire in a theater, of course, that is, that is not protected. Um, but yeah, so th this is, it's a government thing, right? First Amendment is government. What is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act? I'm trying to bring up another 
the site that I have over here. So let me let me find that. Um, all right. So section two two thirty. Um, all right. Let me let me bring this this up. Section two thirty is very very important. Um, here it is. Section two thirty. Stay with me, guys. Give me. Get out there, try to bring in some people into this, this show. We still have a lot of good content to go. I appreciate it. And thanks for the subscribe. Thank you. Thumbs up. I appreciate it. Um, section 230. So it's right here on your, your what in the hell? Share screen. Share screen. There. Section 230. Created in 1996 before social media. Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act effectively freed sites of responsibility of regulating speech on their platform. So basically saying... Um, you know, if you are a Facebook, you know, Facebook comes in Twitter, whatever, um, you're exempt from, uh, monitoring your sites. And if someone posts something, you know, that's, that's illegal, you're not going to be held responsible for it. Now there, there are, are expectations, right? If you're made aware of this as a site that you would go in and, and, you know, delete this or something, but this is interesting because section 230 is actually right now where Twitter and YouTube are jumping in and saying, oh, like we have responsibility under Section 230 to, you know, um, we, we, we're we freed from responsibility of regulating our sites. But of course, if, we, if we're aware of things, we do have the ability to go in there and do that. So we're actually acting in beyond Section 230. So again, if your Instagram, Facebook, Discuss, all of these brought before Congress right now, you can say, hey, we're we're going above and beyond 230. Like we're really being good stewards of the internet. So when section 230 was put into place, we had 36 million people using the internet, 1996. In 2019, when I made this slide, 3.6 billion users. So section 230 was made without ever imagining uh, the development of social media. So what's the relationship between section 230 and uh, the first amendment? So First Amendment, you know, prohibits government from restricting most forms of speech, which would include, um, uh, you know, that they couldn't enforce, um, you know, uh, tech companies. They couldn't say, here, tech companies, you have to monitor what's on your site, Twitter, Facebook, and stuff like that. So Section 230 is saying, you know, you're you're not responsible. If David goes on, if Juan goes on, if Joe goes on and they, they post something, you're not responsible for it. Um, and... So yeah, basically 230 in the First Amendment. That's how that kind of that intersects. So private companies though can create um, any restrictions they want. You've you've agreed to be a participant. You've agreed to go there as a source of content. So you know Twitter and Facebook can ban what they perceive subjectively as hate speech, or their algorithms come up, or somebody complains, and they can they can just ban it. They're not obligated under. The First Amendment, Section 230 gives them a way out of this thing. They're not obligated to monitor their sites. Um, so, so actually, when they make these arguments to Congress, right, they're saying, we're going above and beyond. We are actually um, going in and sanitizing our, our websites, and we're trying to purify the content for the American populace and world populace, which isn't accurate, right? <laughs> they're manipulating what you see. They're manipulating what you see, and they're using Act 230 to make themselves look like the good guys, look like the good guys in all of this. So, um, 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely uh, crazy, crazy stuff. So um, there is there's a, a recently there was an addendum to Section 230 called the FOSTA-SESTA Act. I'm going to bring it up right here. Right now, for all of you, please subscribe to the Safety Doc podcast. Thanks, that's too many. Thanks, Red. This is a good one. The doc is in good speech tonight. So FOSTA, SESTA, 2018 came into place. This is an act to um, victims to fight online sex trafficking, FOSTA, and stop enabling sex trafficking, SESTA. What have we heard recently in the media, I guess, what's been leaked a lot of, or, or from police departments, a lot of arrest. Um, because of, of people involved in sex trafficking or liberating people who have been um, held as, as um, you know, in the sex trafficking trade. So basically, FOSTA SESTA says, okay, there's section, you know, 230 that gives these, these protections to these, you know, big corporations and to social media sites. But if, if they know, right, that uh, people are posting ads on their site for prostitution, for you know illegal activities uh, they have a responsibility to go in and monitor that and to shut it down right you can't just go on to facebook and you know post um you know trafficking type material that's so you know 2018 fosta sesta came into place and really started to to bring this stuff to light and bring accountability to these sites that otherwise i mean you look at uh, craigslist for example and and let me pull this one up because this is this is pretty pretty interesting. Um, all right, here we go. So this is I'm going to bring this image up in just a second, and then we'll get to the get to the chat. So Craigslist. Okay, so in 2010, uh, Andrea Paul of uh, anti-trafficking group The Fair Fund stated Craigslist is like the Walmart of online sex trafficking right now in this country. And uh, Backpage, remember Backpage? Well, um, until January 9th, 2017, you know, Backpage contained an adult section containing different subcategories of various sex work. I mean, that was overt. You just, you know, Backpage, it, it wasn't hidden at all. I mean, because it wasn't regulated. It was protected under Section 230. In 2018, Backpage CEO pled, pled guilty, acknowledging that the great majority of adult advertisements on Backpage were for prostitution. And lately, what's taken over? Um, it's a site called Skip the Games. So, yeah, um, it's kind of taking a different form, but FOSTA SESTA is starting to put a dent into big tech, but big tech is starting to make a pushback on some of this stuff too, I think, which we've seen in how they're going about regulating things right now. So, yeah, and then, um, so, you know, this started to happen on, this was Backpage. So the feds, the feds went in and shut down Backpage. We just learned that a billion dollars in Bitcoin was seized by the feds from Silk Road. Backpage kind of um, associated with that. Let's look at this real quick, um, Backpage. So if you went to Backpage, April 6, 2018, it said, hey, Backpage.com and affiliate websites have been seized by the Department of Justice. So boom, gone, goodbye. So yeah, but... Let's think about it. Would would the Department of Justice go in and shut down Twitter? Would they shut down Facebook? Would they shut down Google? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Okay. So, so yeah. Um, the American... So, is anything being done to expand First Amendment to social media sites? 
in January of 2020, Joe Biden, Joe Biden um, proposed revoking Section 230. January of 2020, the president-elect proposed, you can find this, just type it in, Joe Biden, Section 230, January 2020, said we should get rid of Section 230. We should make Facebook, we should make big tech accountable if people are posting um, you know, things on, on their, their websites, especially, you know, for example, sex trafficking or, um, you know, threats or things like that, that, you know, they, they should be, um, have more accountability. And, and also that, you know, they section 230, this, if you revoke that, it really would mean you'd have more freedom of, of speech also with, um, you know, with type of media posts that would be, be happening. Um, so anyway, Nothing happened of that, by the by the way. No one ever talked about that during the contemporary election that just happened. Um, the American Bar Association recently said, you know, it's time to expand First Amendment. Realistically, you know, people get their information from Facebook. They get it from Google. They get it from social media sites. And um, the by, by allowing these sites to regulate, you know, if you do a search for Joe Biden, it doesn't go to Breitbart. By allowing sites to do that, like Google, you're really restricting the flow of, of ideas, right? The marketplace of ideas is what it's called. The argument by the American Bar Association, the attorneys saying, um, we need to make sure that we're protecting people's freedom of speech on these platforms, which have become pseudo kind of what, you know, government sites or news. It's just they've, they've, they've morphed into this role. They've morphed into this role. We have to recognize it. And we have to say, you know, people have the ability to post um, articles, uh, media articles. If you do a search, it shouldn't be allowed that Google can completely just shut off. You can't search for, you know, there'll be no results for Joe Biden that'll head to Breitbart, to these, these other sites. That shouldn't happen. Like that would be illegal under the proposal from the American Bar Association. So you say, like, this is a pie in the sky, Dave. This will never happen. You know, what will never happen is we need more thumbs up for the show. That'll happen right now. And also, um, subscribe, please. And also, at SafetyPhD on Twitter. I appreciate it. A whole bunch. Subscribe. Give a thumbs up here. Also, hey, if you're not in Amazon right now, check out my book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. It's really about chaos. It's a great book. You will love it. And it's hard copy. It's library grade. Thing will last you forever. All right. Um, so, so yeah, let's go. Um, whoa, whoa. I'm going to send it the, the broadcast. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Bacon wrote, what do you guys think about E using deepfakes um, software to show my face? I don't know. I wouldn't do it because I think whatever uh, you would use could be decrypted. DHS perjured themselves. Um, three Walmart uh, or the Walmart of child... Um, um, trafficking. So, so yeah, I mean, so we're seeing a lot of stuff with, with trafficking because of the amendment FOSTA SESTA to act uh, section 230. So anyway, the American Bar Association, they're like, here's actually something that's being done to kind of crack this big monopoly of, of big tech. Right. And we heard about, should we challenge Google in court, like an AT&T and try to split them up? That'll never happen. It's never going to happen because the, you're not going to get your legislators to do that, right? They're all in the back pockets of, of big tech. They're not going to do it, especially under a Democratic Congress or a, a Democratic uh, presidency. You're, you're just not going to have it. It's just not going to happen. 
What would happen though is competition, right, from other, um, you know, bit shoot or or just other upstarts, you know, eventually, you know, would 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 start to eat away, and you'd have different players in in the game. But you're not going to have this breakup like you're going to have at AT and T. Absolutely no way. Um, so here's something. Um, this is this is uh, this is a fascinating uh, fascinating story in New Jersey. Okay, in the this went to New Jersey um, Supreme Court. New Jersey, individuals were found that they could sue, they could litigate and challenge the restrictive bylaws of their homeowners associations relative to free speech. So if you're putting a, if you're under a homeowners association, right, and you have a, you you know, you have a, a political sign in your front yard, or you're celebrating a certain holiday and you have, you know, decorations out, some homeowners, homeowners association were saying you can't do that, right? Um, and and people were challenging this in New Jersey, saying it's freedom of, of speech. This is protective freedom of speech. Homeowner Association saying we're private. We're private. You agreed to this. You agreed to live here. You're paying the fee. Here are the bylaws. Too bad. And New Jersey ultimately said no. Um, people do have a right to a you know reasonable expression, and they side it with the individuals that were bringing the lawsuits against the homeowners association. So these homeowners associations had to back down. They had to allow, um, you know, regular sized campaign signs in yards. They had to allow that people could decorate homes for Christmas and for St. Patrick's day and things like that, um, that this would be an ex expression. So while that sounds minor, that is actually, it's like a crack in the wall. And, the American Bar Association, you know, continues to point to this is just recent, but saying like, this is where it, it might start. This might be, you might be able to put a, a couple more, you know, uh, hammer in there a little bit more, expand that crack, expand that crack. It started to move. This will be cited. Like that case will be cited again and again and again. But they felt that this is some groundwork, right? This HOA that was challenged by individuals, the HOA is saying you can't put a you know political signs in your yard or put a car in the driver that has a political bumper sticker or decorate for Halloween or whatever. And the fact that that fell has big implications going forward. So this is interesting. So you'll you'll might hear about this down the road, and you'll be like, "Damn it!" It was on the Safety Doc podcast. They were you know because of Halloween and. It went against the anti-Wiccan policies of the HOAs. So let's go over here and check the chat right now. Um, HOAs need to go. Yeah. I'm glad I don't live in a HOA, although there are times when <laughs> where I live, the HOA might have some benefits. Um, but yeah, I have I have friends that are um, in HOAs and and they've they've you know told me about the micromanagement of um, you know things, you know, they put like a kid's pool outside for two days and you know and of course it's all like they get a letter in their mailbox or something from the hoa if you know you can't have a, a portable pool outside or whatever so you know here's like you, know, you got to take this down instead of someone actually coming over you've seen the commercials right like your mailbox is four inches too high or something um bacon wrote noted doc about using deep fake kind of thought it would be reverse engineered so yeah i talked about deep fakes in uh 2019 on my pbs presentation and i was really informed by high level intelligence at that time um believe it believe it or not i had to go through 
you know, a lot of clearance on what I shared on PBS. But I, I had a, a, a um, I think a 26 video, a 26 second video was cut down from um, Russia had one of the Russian um, uh, deep fake engineers had had released like Einstein and Marilyn Monroe still pictures and then animated them to make it look like they were talking, like they were having, you know, a discussion. And I was able to use, again, I think like 26 seconds of that got approved and I had to like heavily cite, it's in the presentation, I had to heavily cite it out. But as I was going through like my other Intel folks as I'm putting together this national presentation, the, you know, they're very clearly saying, yeah, this, this in 2022 will be easy to do for someone with moderate skills and if not, you'd be able to hire it out for a couple hundred bucks. And the part that they were jumping on is saying, imagine if you're like, you know, working someplace and somebody wants to smear you with, with something like this. Um, you can't change the oil on your car. Yeah, that's part of an part of a HOA, right? Um, uh, SAS. So so someone wants to smear you. The other part is it's big in custody, um, in, in, in um, you know, contested divorces, being able to, um, use this as as an asset of having this this deep fake video of saying, well, yeah, my, you know, this is what, this is what my husband had said or whatever and things like this. And again, the question is, will the court have the means to hire a team to verify or authenticate this? And then it becomes this kind of redundancy of like if people just keep submitting this stuff, people believe like there's a program you can just like run this through a program and it'll tell you if it's counterfeit or not. That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. This is very sophisticated stuff. And, you know, it, it involves like a human component to go through and to analyze some of this stuff. So most people will just look at this and say, it looks like you said this. It looks like you did this. So, you know, whatever, unless you, as Joe Dolio said, unless you have contraindicary evidence, your own video or whatever to, to oppose this, you're screwed. So... Hostile work environment, by the way, will be is is the easiest way to take anybody out of a workplace. Anybody who's challenging you as you're as you're working up a ladder, um, you know, in a workplace or something like that, or or whatever it is. I mean, if somebody wants to take you out of the workplace, hey, this person is creating a hostile work environment. It's an ambiguous term. You start to come up with some terminology. You mix in a deep fake with it. They're done. They're screwed. Done. HR meets with them, freezes their stuff. They're gone. Um. So social media sites, again, let's let's go back to social media sites. So when, um, uh, when, when Mike Glover was deplatformed, right? When Mike Glover was deplatformed, um, Fieldcraft. Um, so, you know, the thing is, like, social media sites have that power. And and the other part is they'll say, we're free. Like, you, you're not paying Dave to be on Twitter. You're not paying to do this video on YouTube. You're not paying for StreamYard right now. You're not paying for any of this stuff. So the other part is, you know, not only, you know, did you agree to do this under our terms of agreement, but it's free. We're providing this to you for free. So, okay. Okay. You don't want to go by our rules anymore. And the fact, nothing is free, right? Nothing is free. That's complete garbage. The fact is, the fact is the moment that you agree to get a Google mail account, you've agreed to allow Google to search all of your emails and they're harvesting data for marketing, which they're selling to governments and they're also selling to private industry. Um, check out tripelix.com if you want to get more terrified on that. Um, tripelix.com, good friend of mine was also on the show. But yeah, all your stuff, that's a trade-off, right? Because how are they making their money? Advertisers, yeah, maybe. 
right? But they're making money because they're harvesting, they're analyzing their analytics of everything that you're posting, everything you've uploaded to Google Docs, everything you have in Google Suite, everything that you're putting on Twitter. So yeah, you have the, it feels great. You're not paying anything out of pocket, right? For all of these things. So big tech, you know, mostly, mostly, you know, free. What's going to happen though? You know, future, they're going to have more algorithms. They're going to detect things that you're saying. They're going to be kicking you off of, of these sites. And uh, it's, it's, so let me go to my last, my last page here. So imagine, um, as I said, you know, big tech, what would it take? What would it take right now um, for Google to come out? So let's say government says, you know, we're going to have an antitrust hearing on Google, whether we should go forward. And Google says, okay, um, by the way, yeah, March 1st, everybody is who has a Google Mail, a Gmail account, um, it's going to be $5 a month. And yeah, you can download all of your Gmail and stuff like that. We, you know, we'll allow you to do that. Or you can pay and we'll send you a thumb drive with whatever. Um, but otherwise, it's $5 a month. and Or maybe it's $10 a month. Or your Google Suite is gone. I mean, and look at, I mean, people don't, <laughs> they have terabytes of stuff saved. Districts have their entire curriculums uploaded in not only just their stored as files, but into these Google classrooms and these infrastructures which run these things. So if you download this information, you don't have the platform to run it. So you have this incredible power position which you've accrued as a Google, largely, right? Or as, as a Twitter, as a Facebook of saying, yeah, okay, if this is, if, if you if you want to bring us in the arena of accountability on this stuff, okay, we'll pass the pressure on to, we'll, we'll push the heat forward to our users. How did you feel yesterday when Google was down for 25 minutes, when YouTube was down? So, you know, I went online, everybody, everybody on Twitter is like, Google's down, Google's down, YouTube, or Google, YouTube down, pissed off, angry, um, all of that, feeling anxious. Imagine, like, you know, it could easily be saying, oh, you know, we're, we're going to shut YouTube down for a couple days. <laughs> I mean, th what would be the reaction from people? People will be calling, or you can't get a hold of YouTube, right, or Twitter. You have no appeal on these things. If you're Mike Glover being deplatformed, you cannot go and find somebody at Twitter or Facebook um, to talk to you or discus, they're not there. All of these systems, so it's arbitrary, you get put off. If you're lucky, you get a suspension for 48 hours a week or something like that. You can be permanently suspended. You can be gone. I mean, we know Drew Bay is off of Twitter. Drew Bay, right? Drew Bay, who, if people followed the work of Drew Bay, the philosophy of Drew Bay, would be one of the most influential, powerful figures in student safety the world's ever known, Right? Think of it that way. As a school safety expert, we take Drew Bay's work. We get that into schools. People are more fit. Kids are more fit. They're more able to with uh, get away during a, a dangerous situation, get to safety. They can withstand injury. They are easier to rescue. And then psychologically, we know, right, there's quotes about it, Vincent Barty and so forth. But we know that, that when people get fatigued, they tend to lose hope and just not, not think through things. They, they tend to surrender. So you take a Drew Bay approach, a Drew Bay person, a Drew Bay who manufactured 3D mask of his own expense and provided them to essential workers who's gone off of Twitter forever, gone, you know, unless he creates a burner account and stuff like that. And there's no appeal, right? There's no appeal. So it's just absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. So I think we're going to, to see a flexing 
of of um, these big companies, especially especially Google. Uh, and just think how how you would you would react to that. You know, if like you just have this Gmail account or you have your business and you have like a, a Gmail account or you know, if, if you're a school administrator, schools, I mean, people are are gonna be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're gonna call their their you know legislators and say, knock it off, turn the heat off. Like we've got the system, it works. Now we we don't want to have to pay for it, or we don't want like, you know, we don't want to lose this. So back off. Google's has a lot of power as you know, Twitter and, and other, you know, companies. So, um, so what does this all have to do with like, like exercising first amendment, right? Right. So first amendment, right. The government protects that in a government venue. So if you're, if you're at a, you know, public uh, venue, a park and you record, you know, you, you're, you're having, uh, you know, a president uh, protest or something like that, that's, that's protected. Um, now, once you get onto these private sites, you don't have a First Amendment protection. It just doesn't exist. And these sites have the ability to subjectively or through algorithms um, monitor and select what they're going to put out and shape narratives. And there's no recourse. There's no First Amendment consequence for that. There's nothing in law right now other than that bill for the Homeowners Association, or not the bill, but the, the litigation that came out in favor of the individuals against the Homeowners Association as a private entity saying, yes, people can express, um, can have First Amendment expression and you, you, can't, you can't stomp that down, Homeowners Association. So this, this is real, right? This is gonna be the battle that has to be fought um, if we are going to continue to allow um, big tech to be the gatekeepers of the information that people receive. And now the other part is like, people say, well, you could just go to the New York times or whatever. Well, right. Which we know are already controlled and manipulated. So, um, how do you verify, how do you purify content? But the fact that, um, you know, again, you know, big tech can say, you know, you're going to do this search and we won't let you go to Breitbart if you're so searching Joe Biden, or we're going to have all these like, you know, we're going to block your tweets and selectively allow which tweets come out. You know, that's what will be challenged. Again, the American Bar Association is saying, you know, these companies now become a pseudo um, kind of uh, clearinghouse or marketplace for ideas and they need to be treated as such under First Amendment. So, that's you know that's kind of the big thing of of um, you know of this of this point. So let's go back. Um, Sastra, we're all addicts at this stage. Not going to be easy. People built their lives around this platform. We're absolutely right. I mean, so Sastra, right on. When again, when YouTube went down yesterday, um, just think of the panic that people felt, and then immediately it's like, is it you know is there something deeper going on? Is it going to be down for hours? You know, is it going to be back tomorrow? And people who now make their they're living off of this. I know people, that's their sole income is posting to YouTube um, and having, you know, their stuff monetized. That's another thing too, is I, I highly doubt YouTube will continue to monetize things at the level they're doing because they could easily just cut it in half and people would still produce content. You're not going to be short of content producers. Like my, one of my friends bought like a brand new, real expensive Sony camcorder. And I mean, it really does extensive stuff and the technology exists and these people kind of learn the system where he makes quite a bit of money off YouTube, but YouTube could just cut it in half, you know, in, um, but, any, but anyway, so yeah, we become addicts and, 
And, you know, the big tech companies, the big com big te tech companies know that. Bacon wrote, uh, funny you bring this up. My work Gmail ended um, being uh, full, uh, despite me not using it. Turns out Google was backing up all of my pictures. There. Yeah. So everything you submit to Google, right, Bacon? Every picture you put on, I think, Picasso or Picasso, whatever, with Google, I don't upload my my pictures, but um, they they basically keep a right to that video, to that image. So they, they have that. They can also use it to algorithm scan that image. So if it's an image of you and you are at a certain restaurant or, you know, state park or you're at a concert or something like that, all of that information is being harvested from the background, it, very detailed, and it's being repurposed into marketing for you, right? <laughs> so it is, it is unbelievable how much gets done with that. And then also people that you associate with, like they'll understand that and, and you have like interest and they'll be marketed, same type of things. Like uh, it, it's just absolutely crazy. Bacon wrote, one reason I never got into an HOA. Yeah. Um, I'll be, Red wrote, I'll be very disappointed if this is all gone. Others will complain. Others will do nothing. Others will fight. And I will just um, start replacing what was lost. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I mean, cause you know, I'm 49. So when I grew up, you know, we didn't have the the technology, you know, that we had. To, there wasn't an internet. When I was in grad school, the internet started for practical purposes. My roommate, Nate, uh, would go over to the university at night and log in so he could get on, you know, the very early versions of, of some of these websites and would tell these stories. But, I mean, I had an email account when I was in grad school, and I don't think I ever used it. Like, you know, so, yeah, people especially now I've just become addicted of all ages. Phil Henry, our good friend, Phil Henry from Germany. Phil, the less people know about technology, the more they're dependent on those companies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I talked to a lot of people, for example, hiking, right? I just, I had showed before, you know, the, the you know, kind of utility knife with the, the spoon and the fork and stuff like that. And I talked to people about hiking and, and they just say, well, I just down, I just follow Google maps or whatever. And they don't use paper maps anymore. They're, they're just completely reliant on, a, on on this digital system. They're not cross-referencing anything. They're, they're depending upon the, these whole digital systems to exist that they're not paying into. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, there's such, there's such a vulnerability in that, right? Or even if you don't, let's say you don't have internet access or you know, somehow these systems get shut down. People have no plan B. They've never learned under a plan B. They're just like, this will always be there. Um, so uh, Red wrote, by the way, the future is now with bloat, uh, is now with bloatware info, spying functionality, functionality being sold as helpful new tools. So um, yeah, things are being really polluted. Um, SAS too many. YouTube's goal is to be cable TV provided on the net. They prefer you pay for YouTube Red, which is short for Red Crusader. Um, it will follow the same patch that cable TV did. I think so. I think you're right on with that, SAST. I mean, so I'm getting all those promos too. And I've seen, um, you know, more and more YouTube creators kind of, you know, get this um, almost TV type format, right, <laughs> of how they're producing stuff. So... You're right. I mean, and and I would rather go to um, I'd rather go to YouTube and view some of these documentaries. For example, like Curiosity Incorporated, 
you know, up in um, uh, Canada, you know, they, they, um, they did a documentary of restoring an old house. So it's, it's like a good version of like this old house without all the commercials and all the other crap. <laughs> it's just like people doing this really good, you know, like 13 installment podcast, which is, which was free, except, you know, there's some ads in it. So, so you're right. I mean, and the thing you mix in deep fakes, avatars and all of that, who's going to do a big budget movie again? And what is like ABC, NBC, all of that, like all of that stuff is pretty much going to die and it's going to become YouTube and kind of these independent creators because it's just going to be cost effective to do things that way. Um, Sass to many, I had cable when there were like 10 channels and they went off the air every night. I remember that. <laughs> I, rem I remember when cable came to our town. Um, I was like in fifth grade and maybe fifth, sixth grade and uh, cable came to our town. It was a big thing. Right. And uh, when we got cable, we got all the channels because they gave everything free for like three months to try to get people hooked. And the first movie on the big, um, you know, the big council TV that we had uh, was Star Trek II: the Wrath of Khan. And I remember watching this on like HBO and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And HBO used to send the book out every month. I don't know if you guys remember this. And they would have like pictures of the movies and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, it was like, it was just really cool and exciting back then. I mean, it'd be like, oh my God, it's two this afternoon. It's Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, which came out in 1982. Khan, Khan, Joe Dolio remembers that. Um, so Joel wrote, always have paper maps and learn how to use a lensatic compass. Yeah, paper maps. And, um, you know, when I go places, well, you know, I usually do some recon, but I'll always print out, um, if there is a, like a YouTube, uh, not YouTube, uh, a Google map, I'll print it out and, uh, you know, learn the markers on trails and things like that. Yeah. And learn how to, to use a compass. I mean, it's just, oh, we're so far away from that. Bacon wrote to red. Uh, thanks. Glad I have my own email account, not associated with Google or Yahoo will likely end up hosting all my stuff on external hard drive. It's not expensive right now. Yeah. If I, had, I need to learn more about that because safetyphd.com is through uh, GoDaddy and um, which is okay. They also host, what is it? My, my blog, my WordPress manage WordPress. But if I, if I had to do it again, or if I had to migrate, I would, I would put it all on my own drive and my own server. Um, but yeah, I mean, think of all these people that just put stuff out there. <laughs> I mean, all these like companies and corporations and school districts who just put stuff out there on these free sites. <laughs> Idiots. Then it just gets harvested, harvested and scrubbed and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. So uh, Joe Dolio paper doesn't run out of batteries. Uh, what's a lensatic compass? Yeah, I don't know what a lensatic compass is either. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Red wrote, a lot of hiking sports, you have to be able to read a paper map, not saying I'm very good at it. So I read plat books back when I did my firefighter training. Um, we were tested on proficiency with reading plat books. So plat book has everything kind of by longitude and latitude and basically puts it out into to squares, right? Um, so like if you go and you have to fight a fire that's in the woods, it's like, you know, go to, you know, this longitude, this latitude and whatever. And here it is. I really was horrible at that. I struggled. I was I, I was proficient pretty much in everything else. I struggled with that. Um, so I had to put a lot of time into learning that. Now today, for firefighting, it's not that way. Like they have it, but you have to be able to Google Maps or you have to do what three words as an app. Everything is app-based or we'll just fly the drone up and the drone will give us coordinates for where things are at, which I guess, 
right? But wow, I mean, we are relying a lot on third-party systems to exist and how are these systems being funded? How are they making their improvements? What access? Um, yeah, I mean, like even these drones that go up and they're surveying scenes and they're sharing information back, is there a third party that's also capturing these images or capturing where these drones are going? I don't know. Um, so Red wrote, um, a lot of hiking spots, you still have to be able to read a paper map. Yeah, good. Uh, Bacon, these old school military style campuses are, are compasses I recommend uh, sent to MC too, and it's much easier to use. Um, and a ruler for measuring distance, absolutely. The cloud, I love uh, sillies that think it's a special place when it's just a server bank that can easily go down. Yeah, and it's replicated, right? Red, and everybody's harvesting from the cloud. And every time you upload, your geospatial coordinates are being put into the, the cloud. And I remember talking again with intelligence um, officials when I was was preparing my, my PBS presentation, which gets scrutinized a lot before you do a national presentation on, you know, because Department of, of Defense, everybody has to have, you know, kind of a pass at it to make sure you're not putting anything out there that, you know, could hypothetically compromise national security. But um, you, people don't realize if you take a picture of yourself or selfie or, or wherever you're at and you upload it, it's not just you. The, these things are being scanned at such a sophisticated high level that everything in the background, people in the background, facial recognition, the, the geo coordinates, the time, all of that is being put together. And what if like even like your hobbies, what if you're out there and you're you know engaged in hiking or skydiving or things like this? How does that information not get back to like an employer or an insurance that that could infect your uh, impact your insurance or your health care, right? Um, you know, what if you're posting, you know, don't feel well or I'm homesick from, you know, work today or something on Facebook and somehow this gets aggregated and is is filtered back into your health care provider. People don't realize that this happens. Like there are people just writing code nonstop, writing algorithms, processes to harvest. I remember it was such a wake up call before I did my PBS presentation in 2019 of having people tell me, here, look at this picture like that you took or, or look at this picture and here's how this is being analyzed by software. And it's being, it's not only analyzed once, it's being analyzed again and again and the software is being updated and all this timestamp. And then you take five of these, here's what you can learn. Here you take 10 of these, here's what you can learn. You cross-reference these against sites and it's absolutely uh, uh, unreal, absolutely freaky how this stuff happens. And we enable it, we feed the monster. We put the images out there. We we make these posts without thinking, and again, maybe not not us, even though we succumb to this. I, I I've succumbed to this too. But the seventy percent of the population that puts their entire life into these systems that then controls them um, and manipulates them, as we've seen through the media. So, um, Sass wrote, uh, got one of those Joe, but mine came from the Russian military campus. Um, Red, it's info you could store yourself, yeah. Um, uh, Red Crusader, oh boy, Google Drive, now I can access my data anywhere, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I know I have Google Drive and um, I would say I don't have files, you know, on my Google Drive, I don't put anything on there, for example, it'd be like a financial file or anything like that, but um, 
you know, part of the appeal, right, of Google Drive is a, a, a lot of content that I share in my university classes. Um, I, I put in my, you know, Google Drive. So when I'm at the university, I can access it or I can access it in different places, things like that. It's more convenient. Um, so, you know, so, so again, these types of things, it, it's just people have no idea how these are being scrubbed. And then again, how the narratives get shifted by social media. Um, Joe wrote the Sun Tzu is good, but the Kamingo Lensatic is burned into my memory, like the ability to recompass and, and lock it. So I'll have to look into that as long as Google lets you. Yeah, Joe. So, I mean, that's a question too. I mean, what will we get to a point where Google's going to limit your access? I mean, this is where social credit score comes in. Social credit score could be if your social credit score, Joe, falls below 700 um, we will restrict your access to Google Drive files, to you know certain files, or we'll put a period of time when you won't be able to access files or whatever. Imagine that. But could it legally be done as a private company and with the right, um, I shouldn't say the right, but with, with the um, uh, presidential order, or with the cooperation through some hybrid of a new Patriot Act, a new social contract of saying, well, here's the deal. We need these permissions. So on my phone, on every phone right now, if you guys haven't seen it already, I, it would take me too long to bring it up. But um, the COVID tracking app is on, is on your phone. It's on your phone. I found it um, on mine. It was downloaded in a recent update. And it's non-optional, right? It's there. You can turn it on and off. I, hypothetically, it's probably always on, right? Because your phone is always pinging out to somewhere. It could easily be turned on through an update or through an, you know, through a, a an order of, you know, through possibly a state or a federal government um, saying we need to to suddenly, you know, track where everybody's at for COVID and to identify when people are coming into hot zones. I mean, you could come up with all these reasons. But look on your phone. Just type in a Google search and say um, COVID app on phone. It's on my phone. You can't delete it. It's there. It's down. It's part of the phone right now. I told a friend of mine in Georgia, we we're talking the other night. I told her, I said, um, you know, there's an app on your phone right now. Like the tracks. She's like, no, there isn't. I didn't download anything. I'm like, yeah, sure as hell is. Like, go check. And then, you know, we kind of step through each other. But what the hell? Here it is. So, yeah, it's just absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um yeah, it's 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 just it's just nuts. But as Joe said, I mean, right? You have access to everything right now. Be aware of the term social credit. Be aware of this list, like that AOC says of you know we're going to document people who have supported the Trump administration. But it, you know it could be other you know things. People who support X Y Z. You could come up with these things. People who are having wood fireplaces who are not doing enough for climate uh, benefit. And they could have their social credit score dinged. Your social credit score gets to a certain level. It could impact then your interface with some of these companies. That's what Tom Scott has said. Facebook and Google would be two of the primary ones of saying they could restrict your access to certain things. People are addicted to this. Red McTavis, you guys have mentioned people are addicted to these things. They're going to go crazy if you take that dopamine and serotonin hit away from them. And also, if you're, you're, limit, you're saying more, we're not eliminating your Google Drive. It's there, but until you do these measures, you do these activities, you do these allegiances, we will not increase your social credit score to give you full accessibility to this data, which by the way, you agreed to under whatever, 
and you're not paying um, necessarily, you know, for this, it is, uh, it is under this free program. So too bad, too bad. So, wow. Um, so as we kind of get into wrap up here, red said, I'm, I'm talking thumb drive size, not block size drive. Um, Joe, another important legal issue is, uh, once you store your data on someone else's server, you no longer own it exclusively. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as Joe had said, um, once you, that's the part that gets into this whole thing with images too, of once you upload an image like to Picasso or things like, like that onto these, these hosting sites, um, you no longer have full exclusive rights to that image and people can come back and they, they can also license that image, believe it or not, <laughs> they can license that image and uh, put a uh, copyright on the image, even though, you know, that you had produced it. And then, for example, you could be challenged to for copyright violation on your own image because you've uploaded it to these these sites. These types of things have have happened, and they're actually happening quite frequently right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, don't upload. That's one thing. I mean, I was thinking like whatever I upload into my drive, and I have backups of it. Is it something that if I lost access to it, I thought could personally compromise me? And the answer to that is no. Um, again, you know, I'm not putting financial, I'm not putting, um, you know, letters or anything, you know, of that up there. It's stuff that eventually does get out there. Like I said, you know, you know, university course, um, syllabus materials that eventually I get out there, but think of what you're saving. I mean, think of what you're communicating back and forth in Google, which is, is being scrutinized all the time under the, the Patriot Act. Phil Henry, Googling or searching via Bing from work can be seen by the administrator. There is a tap work when logging in from some systems. Yeah, that's one thing um, that Chuck Mack, University of uh, Pittsburgh Medical, you know, talked about. He said, you know, obviously being, you know, high up in IT, University of Pitt Pittsburgh Med, he said, you know, we see everything. We know. I knew this as a school administrator too. We knew what everybody, staff and students were searching all the time. And we had certain trigger words or patterns that would come up that, you know, we would we would look into further. Um, but I mean, as an administrator, I had the rights to bring up anybody's um, email if they were bringing, you know, stuff up from school or what I could I could see the screen, whatever they had up on their screen. All I had to do is just click in. They had no idea that. I mean, it's all permissions that are out there. Think of that. Every corporation, everything um, that's out there. So yeah, that, that's one thing. I mean, as, 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 um, as Chuck had said, you know, these people get into the, these work environments and they have, they, they just have no, no idea. Uh, well, that they just pretend it doesn't exist. You know, that someone else isn't monitoring, um, everything that, that they're doing and they start to get really, you know, careless and, and, and things like that, you know, be very measured always on <laughs> communications, like anything you want to share, um, the, uh, the best is to, if you can't do it face to face nowadays, is to, to do it by phone, you know, is to have a discussion, you know, like I have some, some legal work that I do and I only do it by phone. Um, and then I may do like a follow-up, you know, um, email, you know, that wouldn't have specific information in it just to, you know, reference back to a phone call. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are certain things I, I don't, um, want a record of other than that Cameron wrote there are companies that de-Googled phones, which basically removes all tracking services from everyone except their carrier and the government while providing open source alternatives for Google apps. So, yeah, I mean, well, so the question is those, those would exist. So I think you, 
people who seek it out, the, the thing is like Cameron, how many people are going to seek that out versus saying, oh, like here, I get my all of my apps and plus I get like the farm game and all this other stuff for free. Great. That'll be your 70% plus. So it's the majority that kind of sinks the ship. So like you're really, I mean, Cameron, like I appreciate you're a really thoughtful person. You're, you process things at a high level and it's like, Ah, oh, but we just don't have enough people <laughs> to to do that. Like they're sinking the ship because they're just careless. They just they just they're just they're lazy and careless. Um, Rudd, didn't big tech do that uh, specific data throttling? They were trying to pass some law to give yeah companies more priority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that happened. Um, just a couple. What was it in the last year or two um, to give priorities of of bandwidth to to certain companies and the cable companies, you know, we're, we're doing that too. That was a big battle on how much information is coming through the, the cable. And you know, a lot of that kind of got subdued with um, people going online um, right with, with um, coronavirus and working and things like that, that you couldn't, the system would have just not been viable. It would have been, you know, real up and down and, you know, just like a 56 K modem if, if they wouldn't have backed off that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, no one's looking out for any of us, right? <laughs> Except like us. Didn't, um, here we go. Um, I forgot the name of the instant the year, honestly. Also worth running a VPN. Yep. Um, net neutrality. Uh, yeah, net neutrality, right? Red is what, what it was, right? Which has kind of been, you know, with that discussion, net neutrality, that's been walked back because everyone wants to appear like they're the good guy during the coronavirus. Like, you know, we're going to give you more internet access or, you know, we're going to let you access certain things at a reduced fee or free right now since you're working at home or your kids are home. Um, that's PR. That's virtue signaling. That will end. Um, you know, that people that will that will end, but it looked good for a while. Um, Bacon wrote, just found the COVID exposure app on both devices. See that goddamn thing, you know, and um, again, I didn't I didn't know it. Right. And it says it's off. It's off. Um, but anyway, Bacon wrote on both devices, new mission is to delete them or to get one of my older phones back. So the thing is, um, nobody knew this. Well, I mean, some people knew it, but um, did you see this on the news? Was David Muir talking about this on ABC of, oh, like in your latest, um, you know, app, app update for your, your phone or your, you know, software updates, there's been an app. Nobody covered that, right? They were directed not to cover it. <laughs> So these apps now are on our phones. And of course, it, it says, do you want to turn this on or off? And no one's going to turn it on, right? They're going to leave it off. But the thing is, it's there. It's passively being tracked. You can have, you know, your phone is idly sitting here. But the fact is, if somebody dials a number, that immediately would ring my phone. It's always passively pinging. So the thing is, how much do you trust that this is passively, that this isn't being tracked and that it wouldn't take anything more than an executive order or uh, an amendment to the Patriot Act, um, something, you know, to be done of saying, we're going to issue this and we are going to, that app, if you have a phone, the app is now active. And if you have a car, your OnStar, your whatever, your GPS is now active. It just is the way that it is. We have to do this. The argument is for COVID tracking. We saw the map, right? Los Angeles Times came up with the map. So they think there's value in that. So why wouldn't you want to get more granular of saying, well, we can track individual people. And here's the art. Here's the way to sell it, right? Here's the way to sell it to Red. Here's the way 
to, to sell it. Well, I mean, not you guys, but here's a way to sell it to people. I mean, we're helping you. We're going to let you know if you've been close to somebody, if you've been in close proximity, we're going to automatically contact trace you. We'll let you know if when you were at the grocery store yesterday, you were three feet away from somebody who is now tested positive for COVID. And by the way, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. And we're tracking your phone so we know where you're going. And you're like, well, I I am an essential worker. Like I I work in a factory job. I can't just like take the time off. Too bad, too bad. And if you do this, oh, it's a violation of your, you're going to lose social credit points, right? We're going to ding this, or it's going to be on a list. You're going to be on a temporary list now that you are under self quarantine. This isn't that far off guys. Remember back um, in the forties and fifties, like polio, there were signs on doors. I mean, just do, do this on, um, you know, go in and, and do a search on uh, what, uh, it, oh God, right. Google, right. I'm telling you, I'm telling you to go to the enemy right now. But if you do an image search, you'll find that uh, departments of health gave out signs, you know, eight by 11 sign that you put on your door and it said quarantine, quarantine because of tuberculosis or polio, it was on your house. You had to put it on your house and people knew not to come over. <laughs> it's, you know, and now how far are we away from that kind of via social media app? How, you know, you can be like, Hey, pizza, like I hey, want a pizza delivered. And they're like, Oh, like from where you're calling that residence is in self quarantine for 14 days. So um, either we're not going to deliver or yes, we will deliver, but we will put your pizza on the curb and you can only do like this, you know, credit transaction. By the way, cash is dead, right? I mean, everybody really knows this who's in the know. Um, cash is dead. It, you're going to have a point in, you know, two, three years where most transactions will be credit um, or some type of electronic chip or whatever. Again, if you, if you offered this to people, there were studies, there were studies after school shooting events where they would go to schools and they would ask parents, right? They would say, um, would you have your child, we, we could put a grain of rice in their, in their hand, right? We, it, it would be a chip. It would monitor where they're at at all times in the school. If the school have this ability, we would know hundred percent where they're at. And if there's like a school shooter incident, we would know where they're at on campus. Uh, we would know if they've left campus and things like that. Would you agree to it? Most parents? Yes, absolutely. No question. Put that put that piece of, you know, technology rice in there and it'll be there forever. I mean, if you told people, hey, you don't have to carry your credit card around. You don't have to carry a wallet or anything. We'll just put a little a little invasive, you know, minor, minor invasive chip. You won't even know it. Um, and then... Boom. You know, you again, 70% of people would do this. They would do this if you said it, it's for convenience. It's also for safety. And this whole thing with COVID tracking and the, this app, I think this app is really alarming, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. The fact that it came down very um, quietly and we didn't have, you know, articles. We didn't have any of this. And again, look at the people who are in control. Look at the big tech. Look at the corporations. What would it take to say, boom, every app is on. You're 100% tracked all the time. What would it take to tell somebody, yeah, you now have to self-quarantine? Or what if it is because you know they are also involved in, in some public discourse or something like this? And all of these things can be manipulated. Um, 
I think it's it's extremely um, Orwellian that that this is that this has happened. There's no delete option on it, as Bacon said. It's it's not there. Um, so what did um, Sass wrote the problem. Red Crusaders, 90% of TV watchers will sink the ship. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't have enough. <laughs> we just don't have enough critical thinkers out there. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have followed, you know, you probably have like Stefan Molyneux. Remember Stefan Molyneux, Free Domain Radio. So, you know, he got banned off of social media, Twitter. Uh, he got deplatformed. And um, what, maybe like six months ago? If in, you know, the biggest philosophy show in the world, if you go to his website now, Free Domain Radio, like he's basically just gone. <laughs> he's become dust. He has a few shows he's put out there. It's barely followed content. It's not really controversial. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand the arguments against a Stefan Molyneux, but wow, what a powerful... I mean, we would have never thought that that was possible in 2016 with the election. Stefan Molyneux, Mike Cernovich, you know, really big with, um, you know, I, I think getting critical thinking out there in the 2016 election. Stefan Molyneux right now is a ghost. He'll never, he'll never be back. He'll never be supportive. And people forget, right? They're not going to, to hunt down his website and bring him a lot of things. I mean, maybe it works for Joe Rogan and Spotify and, you know, some other things, but you know, that's the thing is when you live by these tech companies, um, you die by these these tech companies. Um, Red wrote some apps require you have location on to use it. Yeah. And passively, how much of this is really happening anyway? Like it's probably happening more than we we know. Um, and it's yeah, it's always taking your it's laminating your to context and situation where you're at. So. All that's going to be submissible in court too, right? Somebody challenges you on on something. Um, it's it's really scary. It's really scary stuff. Um, no contact delivery has been a thing here since. So, yeah, and the other thing, bacon is like, um, you know, the, is there a point when some of these companies just say we're not going to deliver, we're not going to interface with you during this time because the app is telling us to stay away from this area, or you're not, you won't get mail. You won't get post. I mean, who knows where this is all going, but the app really opens it up. I mean, it is, you You could get a, I mean, it, it could buzz in your pocket if you get too close to somebody, right? If you've been in proximity or it could have a little thing popping up with saying, um, you know, just a reminder, you know, kind of like my, my car when it gets to 33 degrees says, you know, caution, could be freezing conditions out here. Road could ice up. I mean, it just automatically comes on. Who's to say that your phone doesn't say it? Oh, noticed you're in a densely populated area right now because it's picking up the signals from other phones. Make sure that you have a mask on, that you're practicing social distancing. Wow. So um, let's coins, coins will be worth more. Laugh out loud. Yeah, Red. You know, the thing is, like, if you go back to, um, you know, like the 30s and, and things like that, when some of the, the, the currency started to shift, and also we went off the gold standard and gold notes and things like that. Um, there are people I've been talking to now have said, you know, coins will be collector's items in five or 10 years, and but they won't have a value. They won't have an inherent value. You won't take a dime and be able to get, quote unquote, 10 cents credited after a certain date. I mean, what if we had, you know, January 1st, 2024, it's the last day for you to go to a bank or some place that could redeem 
uh, paper currency or coin currency. And after that date, um, it wouldn't have any value other than collector value. Um, are we that far away from that under an agenda of, well, we think that, you know, by doing this, one, we're going to decrease the opportunity for transmission of a virus because of close proximity and then also virus via the currency or the coins. Like this is a narrative you could pitch. Remember, we we have a Patriot Act, which makes us take shoes off at an airport and check a tube of toothpaste. So, and the question is, would people agree to it? 70% of people would. And if you gave them social credit score, if you said, by the way, if you go along with this, we'll give you a free Amazon Prime. And I'm not being, that's not, not a hyperbole statement. I'm not trying to, to be aloof with that. People could, would do it. My God, when I was in college, I would go to, you know, you'd go to the different university buildings and every time people, uh, certain times of year, they'd, they'd, they'd have tables out in front and, hey, you know, sir, would would you like to get this credit card? Um, we will give you a t-shirt or we'll give you a hat or a football or, you know, something that, which is whatever. And, um, you know, I'd be like, I want a credit card. I, I'm not doing this. Are you insane? And uh, one of my roommates came back and all the time, he's like, I got another card, got another card. Yeah, like, a, you know, like a T-shirt or something like that. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, you're getting, you're giving all this information away. And then they have all these conditions on the cards too. Of like, if you don't make, you know, 12 purchases in the first month, you get charged, you know, a $50 fee and it's an annual fee. And they didn't care. They just never thought about it. So just absolutely, absolutely knuck and futz, as uh, Dickie Roberts would say. Um so Red wrote, it's how well they sell the illusion later. So Big Daddy Guff. Yeah, in Red, right? People people are just, it's easy to sell the illusion. And now think about it. We just talked about deep fakes, right? And you start bringing deep fakes into things. And the way that media portrays things. If you say things over and over again or frame things appropriately, um, you can manipulate the psychology of most people. So let's do this right now. I'm just going to say, okay, um, um, Moses brought, um, animals on the ark, uh, two by two. Okay. So is that an accurate statement? Moses brought animals on the ark two by two. Anyone want to give a response to that? Sass, you're probably up for it. Moses, you know, brought animals on the ark two by two. Nobody, you all hate Moses. The hell's going on here? What do you do to you? All right, come on, somebody, somebody knows the Bible. All right, nobody. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll wait until somebody posts. Moses, um, you know, brought the animals on the ark two by two. So I'll come back as soon as I see somebody post to that. Um, so um, bacon. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait for this Moses thing, by the way. I'm going to watch this. Practically every app, Cameron, uh, takes your info without consent. Yeah, they do. They simply bubble level app records. Right. So, in, um, like, if you tried to delete Adobe, you know, uh, if you're subscribed monthly to, like, Adobe software, good luck trying to, like, get off of that without canceling your credit card. Um, so it's it's resistance, right? People will be like, ah, oh, screw it. Like, I'll just continue to go with it because like, I'm not going to go through all these hoops or it just gets level or it confuses people. It's path of least resistance. Bacon wrote, Safety Doc Podcast, not likely the whole point of my industry being essential is to serve those that could be in quarantine. So yeah, yeah, Bacon, you're you're right. I think, I think um, 
so so bacon you know is in an industry where where um he brings uh things to to people um so yeah the more i think about that right I think the message could be coming out to people saying you need to stay home, right? Um, instead of going to these places, you need to have things brought to you. And we'll know if you left and you went to this restaurant or this store, we'll track it. And if that store or restaurant had the ability to do a delivery and you didn't take advantage of it, there'll be consequences. Social credit score, could be a fine, could be these types of things. So anyway, Noah. Oh, God damn it. Red, you got it. It is Noah. It wasn't Moses. So the thing is, as Red got it, like Noah, Noah brought animals on the ark, right? Um, but if you if you if you say to people this this whole priming type thing, like you know Moses, they'll be like, I don't know, maybe it was one animal at a time, or it wasn't all animals, and the, and they overlook because you've already put like this context of a biblical context. So people get really good at that. They're they're teams hired to do that of just framing things out in the media to make you see things as good or bad. You're critical of this. You're you're critical thinkers. Now, this Noah thing, just so you know, like right off the bat, 88% of people get that wrong. <laughs> so the first place people go is they try to argue the process of was it one animal or at a time, or was it indeed both animals, or did the animals go on their own and they won't they weren't coerced by Noah? So you guys already elevated yourself into the top 12%. Um, so right there. Think about, I mean, people are just easy to, to go with stuff. Um, so, you know, my company would pay me if I had a quarantine. Not such a bad idea. Bacon. Uh, Noah. Yeah, Noah. Um, I'm getting a Faraday bag for my legal device and uh, rooting both my phones. So a Faraday Faraday bag and Joe, Joe Dolio talked a lot about um, different Faraday devices to eliminate the signal. So you'll know if it works. Like if you put your phone inside a Faraday device and you call it from another phone and it doesn't ring, <laughs> then yeah, it is it is blocking out the, the signals. And the thing is like, you know, people don't, again, realize all of the vehicles produced, I think after 2006 have a passive tracking in them, whether it's an OnStar or some version of that. Um, and, you know, like a black box, too. So people not, I mean, it's easy. Someone can go in legally in a court challenge and they could say, like, we want the records of where this vehicle has been in the last whatever days. And they'd be able to get it. Um, so it was a ship. Phil Henry. Wow. Yeah. I thought Noah had a snowmobile. Probably had a ski whiz like I did. I think it was horrible. We all know Joe Dolio has the Bible down pat. Joe, tacticalwisdom.com. Right, Crusader, make me think of what weighs more a, a kilometer of feathers or a kilometer still. Right, yeah, they weigh the same, right? Um, again, you guys, it is, it is so easy to manipulate people. They only go to that first bit of information. And again, if you portray that you kind of know things, like you go to the media and it's like, well, this is the this is the media, right? Or you know, people look at these these notices coming off of Twitter, like, oh, this uh, the AP has decided this election. Like you and I look at that and we're like, AP, like, yeah, what the hell? But a lot of people are like, oh, the AP has made this determination. That's not an electoral vote. <laughs> but again, we are we are in the smaller percentage. Um, we are. Um, so Joe wrote, uh, Tucker Carlson did a segment once where they carried around a phone on an airplane all day and then only turned off airplane mode later. It sent the whole day's location data. Yeah. Yeah. 
this I, I I completely um just anticipate if anything is on the phone or like in my vehicle, uh, you know, like an OnStar or whatever, it's always taking and harvesting data. Um, and I mean the thing is like who's going to challenge that? Who's going to bring that legal court case up or something like that? It just is unlikely the positionality that any of us would be able to take on anything like that. I mean, it just, it's implausible, right? Um, Bacon wrote, uh, Joe Dole, you see my comment to you about docs stress text uh, testing? Holy cow. Um, Red, it's how our brains work. It wants to come to quick solutions to move on to the next survival. Right. Red's right on. Yeah. So the book um, by Daniel Kahneman, Nobel Prize winner, I think it's 2011, Thinking Fast and Slow is a terrific book. You can also download it uh, for free, the audio version. It's like 10 hours long on YouTube. It's well worth it. But, you know, it talks about the science behind this, the the, the first level thinking and second, first and second level thinking. And, right, people just want to take something and, and process it and, and move on without really, without really thinking and analyzing things. We've, been, we've become horrible at face validity. Joe Dolio is, is terrific at face validity. Um, you know, for example, going out and identifying what is actually happening in your environment. A couple of posts ago when, you know, he was identifying what was happening at the Walmart, you know, the guns and ammo were being taken out. There were security vehicles in front, took pictures at um, the local um, electric utility where they had lights facing outward, things like this, anticipating if there would have been a, um, a Trump declared victory on election night, likely what would have happened for, for riots, protests, looting. But, you know, again, like a lot of people, most people don't do that. They, and they don't understand how to do it. So when I'm writing um, the velocity of information, there is a segment of the velocity of information, which is solely dedicated to teaching people how to do these member checks. And I'm, I'm not an expert to the level that Joe is, but I will be able to cite Joe and to have Joe help me inform that section to at least get people to be aware of that. My, my kids, you know, elementary and, and high school age, it's funny because they, they throw this term back to me. Oh, face validity, dad, face validity, because if they say something, you know, like one of your friends told you this or whatever, or something's going on at school or or I, I'll, I'll ask like, how do you know? Like, how do you verify that? Or if we're, you know, somewhere, vacation, whatever. And it's so funny because they say back to me, well, here's the face validity for this dad without me even prompting it. So it is one of these things you can teach kids. You can raise them with this, this critical thinking. And and I took my kids um, out when when things were shutting down in March, right? And all you know, schools shut down and they were just hearing from their friends or getting texts and emails and stuff. Everything, uh, parks are shut down, everything's shut down. And, you know, they're, they don't know what's going on. Um, and so we went out. I mean, we're in the car and I had the camcorder. And I would say, okay, like, I, I'm, you can film me. Like, you, um, and, I, and we're going to be at this location, you know, whether it be a store or something. And and, um, and, and we did this for our own records. And, and just, I, this wasn't anything I posted to social media. I think I made 13 of these videos and, and it was just, what do you see around you? What do you see right here at the park? What do you see right here at, you know, this, this store that's beyond us, what's happening at the bank and, and things like that. And it, it, and then it's real, it's observed, it's authentic. So you teach kids how to do that. I've taught my kids how to do that. They have excellent 
environmental awareness. They have excellent face validity. I, when I hear my 10-year-old say to me, well, here's the face validity for this dad. I'm like, holy smokes, like you've been listening and and she's on, right? She's right on with that. It's really cool stuff. Um, license plate readers everywhere. Yeah, that's amazing. I was, um, I remember uh, when I would would be with law enforcement quite a bit in my school safety stuff. And, you know, I'd be in the cruise and I'd be like, oh yeah, ding, 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 like everything front and back. And, you know, they everything is being, being all these licenses are being, you know, read. It's just, Joe Dolio, I just did. It'd be a fair test because they have access tools uh, to some don't. Um, wouldn't be a fair test bacon. I'd pull credit headers. And since you rent, I'd have you in 30 seconds. Most won't have that access. Yeah. SAS, don't get me started on illegal license plate readers. Absolutely. Red, I have to sleep. Oh, yeah. All right. I need to sleep here, too. I I put in a lot of consulting um, today, I think. I think. Um probably from like 8 to 5.20 Central Time um, is what I was doing for consulting uh, today. So yeah, the life of being uh, semi-retired, right? And then taking on consulting. And then I had a, a phone call to a request to do a substantial consulting project that I absolutely, I turned it down twice already. <laughs> and they called again and left this long, can we just talk? Like, can we just get on the phone? I'm like, no, I don't have time. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, it, it's just not happening. So, all right, everybody, um, if you haven't already hit a, hit a thumbs up for the show, I would appreciate that. Um, the biggest thing for me is if you can get out there and, um, you know, advocate for, for the show, make people aware of it. Um, I mean, just honestly, I have 244 subscribers. I, I need more. I mean, I need to get up to a thousand. This is episode 151. There's good content out there, right? Um, we need to have these type of discussions. We need to keep these intellectual, um, you know, venues alive and be able to come back and to reference these. You know, of course, if all this gets deplatformed, I have everything saved <laughs> on multiple drives and formats and things like that. I, I could, I could, you know, bring this back or put it on my own site or something. But these people, people pick up from you, and and not that this this you get everything from you know the, the show or whatever, but. Um, you know, you're you're the people. People are like, oh, Joe Dolio, oh, Bacon, oh, Juan, oh, Sast. You know, Red. They know how you process things. It's such an asset to, I think, turning the tide, at least with people that you really care about. So, if you can subscribe to the channel, I appreciate it. If you can tell friends to subscribe, um, if you can go on to uh, Safety PhD uh, right here. So at and I, so I do a blog post too. You know, so if you go on. If you go on to safetyphd.com, every single show that I've done, I do a, a blog post, which is maybe a three, four minute read, and it, it hits all of the highlights from the show and links things out. But I mean, there's now 150, and then tomorrow I'll get this one up. So there's 151 blog post on safetyphd.com. Um, it's not, you know, I'm not to the depth where Joe is. I, Tactical Wisdom is an awesome Say, but you know, if you want to go back and you, and you see these things, or you do certain topics, and you and you want to go back in um, and and get a drag off of those of hey, face validity or like positive recency or something like this, there's good stuff. There's really good stuff. So, um, Cameron, good show. Thank you. Um, Sass Doc is busier now than re retired. Yeah, Sass. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that's true. Um, it is it is just the nature of what I do, and actually, I'm teaching another uh, legal class in spring, which I've taught. This will be like the 18th year 
and that's that's quite a bit of work uh, to do that. But the consulting is is through the roof, right? I I could work, you know, almost endlessly right now. And then as I was sharing, there is there is this weird feel because things are so bizarre as a world and as a nation and economy to not accept contract work and, and to 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 do these things because what if we do hit a real skid with like a depression or something like that? I don't know. It just it's a it's a weird feel. Like um, it's better to be working while it's unsettled and, and to be be occupied than I think not. Maybe there's some psychological aspect to that. And I like what I do. So um, as an aside, Bacon, I could describe this pro uh, this program as the most entertaining, informative end times report. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that. So I, I enjoy this show. You know, I got away from it for a, a little while just because just because of the amount of other work that was starting up. There was a lot of new consulting um, that I, I had to get in place this fall. And, and now coming back to this, it's just it's so uh, psychologically refreshing to, again, have an intellectual, um, you know, chat team, you know, Cameron, Sass, Bacon, Juan, Red, Joe. And um, yeah, Jim Mallard is just to to have that, and then um, you know, again, I, I think I'm I'm putting something out there to contribute to the knowledge base, and uh, I'm not going to lead lead you astray. I mean, I'm going to be a straight shooter. I'm going to give you accurate information, um, and I think my body of work, you know, has has um, you know proven that. And again, all of you contribute to that. I am I am so grateful. <laughs> I am grateful, you know, Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom. I am so grateful for the time you put into your your blog post, your site, uh, you know, Bacon, and sharing your ground um, um, face validity for your for your post. You know, one of what is happening with San Francisco and being authentic in his observations of you know preschools now are not allowing parents to come anywhere near the school. They have to have like a drop off point. These types of information read of what what he's seeing in Ohio. Um, they they fill places in my mind and then they transfer over into works that I do and so yeah you guys really are are, are just helping me um, elevate this work even more so with that I am going to wish all of you a great evening here from the uh, North Star Recording Studio it is always my honor to produce this the Safety Dab Podcast can be found at Safety phd.com that is safetyphd.com you'll find all 151 episodes to date um, everything is rendered in video in audio and then there's a blog post um, there's yeah nothing is is monetized um, go out there you have over 200 hours of, of content there's a lot of terrific interviews we'll have um, uh, Carl Hopf will be uh, coming on the the show soon Um so, so yeah, just uh, continue to support the work. Continue to subscribe at Safety PhD. I appreciate all of you. Have a good night from here in the state of Wisconsin, which is also the state of chaos. All right. Take care, everybody. It is Doc out. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.